This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. Diop wins the header, drops to the edge of the D, up goes Suchek, he gets something on that, and then Rice hooks it clear to Antonio, who chests it down and plays in four now, who gives it back to Antonio, and Yarmolenko might be through here, and Yarmolenko's been found on the edge of the box, just really going to deal with, he's Andre Yarmolenko, and he scores for West Ham United in the 89th minute of the game. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Good evening and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. Well blow me down against all odds we've only gone and beaten Chelsea and grabbed ourselves three crucial points in the relegation battle that we shouldn't be part of. Last night was a performance that we've waited a long time to see and tonight we're going to talk about how and why we got it so right. Lots more will be discussed before getting exclusive news from X and answering questions from our collective followers on social media. That's all coming up on tonight's show, delivered to you by two very happy hammers. X, as you know, it's not easy being a West Ham fan, but every now and then they give you something to smile about. And last night was a perfect example. I'm sure like everyone else, you were buzzing, mate. 
Mate, I hate to um, confess this to you right now, but I'm still fucking horny from last night. But it was uh, it was uh, absolutely sexual football. It really, really was. I I I really, 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 really enjoyed that game. It was just like like because the thing about it, it was such a roller coaster of emotions. So obviously, like the VAR incident, I was fuming, saying I bloody hated football. I'm never watching it again. Like absolutely mm. livid for then to then go and get the penalty as well and just like can can like compound the misery and make me think I'm what am I doing watching this and then obviously got the the equalizer just before half time you get that glimmer of hope okay maybe it's not so bad after all and then you go you know you go two on up and you got that buzz again and then two all and you're like for fuck sake and you're just like literally <laughs> cursing and then to get to get that goal in like the 89th minute and the, and the football for that goal and you know I was screaming at Yarmolenko and I hold my hands up and I take it back but you, if you look at the goal for for now is free in the middle and I, like when yeah. he cuts back and I was like pass it pass it pass it God! and I literally like <laughs> so I said I slid I remember I just, just the emotion takes over and I was like on my sofa I kind of slid on my carpet and I had cushions in my hand I threw them up in the air and I turned around I don't know <laughs> I don't know why I did this because it was never going to be a sensible idea but I got my phone and I just literally lobbed it at the wall and I don't know why I did it because <laughs> usually that would be something I would do when I was angry, but I just did it. I now I've got this massive crack going down from the middle <laughs> to the corner. I know, and my my wife was sitting in the conservatory, and obviously I got the three kids upstairs, and she opened the conservatory. And went, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, I don't know, but West Ham have just scored. I'm so happy. And like, it's just moments like that that like really do make it fun to be a West Ham fan. Like with all this misery and this doom and gloom building up to it, and it is horrible the majority of the time. But when yeah. you get incidents like that and the Chelsea away game as well, you know, because obviously we were at that together, you know, you just yeah. get a real buzz. And it was it was just brilliant. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure we're going to talk about individual players in a minute, so I won't name them all now. But there were some really top performances um, in that game as well. There were, 100%. And I think the reason it was such a good team performance is because of outstanding individual performances. And I think, you know, as an individual, if you perform at the highest level, it can only have a positive effect on your teammates. And last night was the perfect uh, combination of quality and work rate. You know, like last night was everything that we've been missing all season. Pace, intensity, heart, desire, discipline, quality on and off the ball. And it was just an absolute pleasure to watch. And we were exciting to watch. When was the last time West Ham were exciting to watch? Mm. And I just, I was over the moon. I was shocked because I I thought, nah, we're not going to get anything from this. We've been dog shit over the last two games. We're banging trouble. Um, And I thought it was going to be a comfortable win for Chelsea. But typical West Ham in the West Ham way they pull out an absolute surprise and what a pleasure they were to watch. And every single one of them should be proud of themselves because I was proud of them. Every, every fan was proud of them. It was just such a fantastic performance. And even starting with the formation, you know, I, when we started the game, I looked at it and I thought, I like this formation. That's, that's positive. That's, that's got attacking intent. And the two holding midfielders with a number 10, I like to see that. When players play those positions correctly, it's a dangerous formation, especially at home. I was also pleased to see that Anderson was nowhere near it. I'll be honest. I thought that was a good thing. Mm. And um, it was just an absolute joy. Absolute joy. In fact, the only thing I was disappointed with last night is that the uh, the pre-built fan chance didn't include Chelsea Rent Boys. Other than that, it was a perfect night for me. <laughs> um, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to move but on. Listen, but 
let's move on to talk about some of those individual performers. Who stood out for you? Um, well, there's a few. I think having Ogbonna back in defence was massive for us. I thought it's just his his presence in the back line just made the defence look so much better. His organisational skills are good. I think Cresswell is a bit weak at the moment, but having Ogbonna alongside him improves Cresswell as a player because I think that's a much more solid like left side of the defence. Um, so I think Ogbonna has definitely got to be one of them. I thought Declan Rice was unbelievable. I thought he is just such a good player. He really, really is. You know, if he if he went on to play for a um, a bigger club, he would be even better with better players around him. Um, and then um, Antonio was. <laughs> I got away with it. <laughs> I was going to see if you picked up on that comment or not. <laughs> well, I was going to wait and see if this Cresswell saga is going to rear its head tonight. I'm sure well, it was, some, well, I was, I was actually, I was, happen, well, I was just, I just wanted to see if I could say it and get away with it. But I think the fact I started to laugh a little bit made me, maybe gave it away. But, but yeah, I think, I think obviously, um, Declan was superb, but that's kind of standard now. Um, I thought Antonio worked his absolute bollocks off, and I, and I loved the interview from him afterwards where he could barely talk understandably because he just literally ran for everything and I'd like to give him a bit of praise for his technical ability because well the whole teams first of all because I don't know if you've seen but every single player was involved in that second goal everyone had a touch of it and the third goal and like and I actually thought Antonio had under hit the pass for Yarmolenko initially but actually he got it spot on so that Yarmolenko could cut in on his left foot um, and curl it in so I thought Antonio was absolutely brilliant I thought Suchek had a very good game, both um, at the back, sort of getting away, heading away corners, and obviously scoring from corners, scoring twice um, from corners, but uh, obviously only one being given. So those were the four that really stood out for me um, out of all the players. Um, But yeah, I think it was those four by quite a substantial distance. I thought Lanzini had one of his better games. I still think there's more to come from him, but at least he actually kind of contributed this time. I thought Fredericks did quite well down his side, but for me, it's those four, Suchek, Ogbonna, Rice and Antonio, that were the ones that stood out. I agree. I mean, the amount of feedback that I got, and it's funny, you you actually tweeted an almost identical tweet talking about how good it was to have a Bonner back. And I thought, I'm going to check when he done that. Because if it's if it's before me, everyone's going to think I've copied him. And uh, and it was. You did tweet before me. That's quite annoying. But <laughs> we, we both had exactly the same fault. And all West Ham fans were thinking the same. And the amount of West Ham fans that tweeted me in response to that, saying he's my hammer of the year, yeah. is just unbelievable. And uh, I think it's hard to argue that. I mean, we've been saying that in recent podcasts as well. For me... Him and Declan are, are pretty much neck and neck, but it may be a Bonner Nixon because, again, last night he's come back in and he's just transformed that defence. I think you're right about Creswell. He performs that little bit better with the safety net of a Bonner behind him. I think Diop, he, I think he had a couple of shady moments in the first half, but I think he improved as the game went on and actually went on to have a good game. He, generally speaking, performs better with a Bonner next to him. Yeah. And he, he was just solid. I mean, you just couldn't get past him. His positioning was absolutely spot on. His reading of the game, his strength, his composure. He was just like a prime 25-year-old at Bonner. And he was yeah. just an absolute pleasure to watch. And Declan, I mean... When have we ever said a bad word about him? It's just consistently week in, week out. He wore that armband like he was born with it. Uh, Antonio, absolute beast. I mean, that, for me last night, I, I, I'm i not sure I've seen him play a better game for West Ham. 
He was just absolutely relentless and unplayable. And talk about Declan again, Suchek next to him. I mean, what a, a central midfield pairing that is. Such a solid partnership. Delighted for Yarmolenko. Um, I thought he took his goal really well. I, I still have a concern about his pace, if I'm honest. But technically, he's very, very good. Just on Yarmolenko, do you think he's got a future at West Ham? Well, it's funny you should say this because I actually think if you could combine Antonio's best attributes and Yarmolenko's best attributes, you would literally have one of the best players in the world because Antonio's pace and power and work rate are phenomenal, but technically he's not that great. Whereas Yarmolenko technically is very good, but doesn't have the kind of physique that you need to have to be at the top of the Premier League in terms of uh, performances. So, um, in terms of his future, the, the, it's difficult because the, the thing is, he's on a high wage. I mean, I'd say probably Anderson, I think, is the highest paid player. And then I, I reckon it's between, I think it probably is, Yarmolenko is the second highest paid player. And then Wilshire is the third highest player, which when you think about the three names I just said there, Anderson, Yarmolenko and Wilshire, you know, in terms of their contributions at the moment, that isn't money well spent. But I think with Yarmolenko, yeah. technically, he is a very good player. And maybe, like what happened yesterday, it's he's the sort of player that needs to perhaps come on at, at that moment and change the game when the pace of the game has perhaps slowed down a little bit and it's more to, to his stand. And see, the thing that I've got, which I, I think's interesting, is that I think he, I think it's fair to say now that you've got to start with Noble. Uh, not Noble, sorry. It's got to start with Rice and Suchek as your, as your mm. two. And then it leaves the third central position as, as who do you go for? Because, you know, Lanzini played yesterday and I thought he played all right. I don't think he was amazing, but I thought he played all right. For now, I don't think he was. He was very effective going forward. But the one thing no. that impressed me was his work rate. He, he did want it. He showed what Philip Anderson doesn't show, and, and he turned up. He wanted to fight, and and he wanted to do well for West Ham last night. Again, going forward, I don't think he was anything special, but I was impressed with his work rate. Yeah, and then you've got Fennells as the other option, unless he's on the wing, but you could put him centrally. I mean, Fennells did brilliant for um, for Yarmolenko's goal, and he always seems to get mm. in positions where he could score or where he creates mm. things. Then you've got Wilshire, who... I don't know how much he did when he came on. I mean, it was hard for him, I guess, to get in. I mean, he wasn't awful. But again, I don't know how much he did. You could play Anderson. I know you said you don't want him anywhere near the team, but you could play him. You know, it's that question of who is that? Who do you play as that third midfielder out of those? And Noble, obviously. Um, But I think yesterday, to me, finally, in my head, proved that Noble should be a, a sub now, I think, rather than a starter. So do you think that we are a better side without Mark Noble? Yeah, I think so. I hate to say it because you know, I love the fella and, you know, he's the he's the modern day West Ham legend. But um, I, it's just the thing with Mark is that he does still have quality games. He does. But there's something that just sort of slows the midfielder down a little bit when he's playing. Like He takes quite a long time on the ball. And I, I think mm. he's still a good player. I think he still has a lot to offer us, you know, from the bench or, you know, playing 
you know, and I think like you know, away get an away game against someone um, where you're, you know, where it's going to be a battle, you know, like a tough game. That's when you want your Mark Nobles and stuff. But a game where either you're trying to hit a team on the counter attack, he's not the sort of player for that. Or a game where you probably the better side, you want your more attacking players. So I don't get me wrong, I'm not writing Mark Noble off at all, but I do think the midfield looked better without him yesterday. Of course, it's one game. So it's a bit unfair to just judge on that. But if you are judging on evidence, which is what we have from the last game, then he he shouldn't be back in against Newcastle. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, you've got a ready-made captain in Declan Rice. Yeah, a better one, I think, as well. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I mean, to be honest, um, and I will be honest, I think Mark Noble's been substandard for most of the season. And I also think... He hasn't really shown the leadership skills that I've expected from him either. Well, so no, I have had my disappointments with him, in truth. But then again, you say about the, the, the central three, you know, I, I do like two holding midfielders with a number 10 sitting in front of them. So I don't think that that third position should go to a defensive midfielder. I think that should go to uh, a full nails, maybe, or you know, dare I say, if he ever finds his form again, Lanzini. And because you look at Suchek and Rice, you know, you've got more youth, You've got more pace. You've got more stamina. And I hate to say it, you've got more quality. So, yeah. you know, I love Mark Noble as much as the next man, but at 33 years of age at the top level of the game, I, I can't see how much longer he's going to play week in, week out. And I agree with you. He should definitely be involved with the club, even if he retires. You know, whether he's whether he's still part of the squad, he's got to be on the bench. And if he does retire, he's got to be in the stands because he is Mr. West Ham. He's one of us and we'll always love him. But in reality... I think we could really build something there with um, with with those two players. Should the unthinkable happen and Declan commits his future, do you know what you could do as well? And uh, this is going to sound a little bit shocking. And I'll probably get someone the usual uh, stick I get for not knowing <laughs> football. But what you could do is uh, you could almost try Rice a bit further forward. Now the reason I say this, okay, people are going what what knows defensive midfielder. Actually, I've heard in training that he's one of the more prolific finishers, and that he actually in training plays more of a sort of box to box role and actually contributes quite a lot. And if you watch any of like I know it's like all not match situation but if you watch like all the sort of freestyle of videos he's taken part in and some of the goals he's scored in training there he can he is actually better going forward than a lot of people realize I would like to see possibly not as a number 10 because that's just too far but like as a as a box-to-box midfielder I think Declan could do that as well mm-hmm. I just think the guy's so talented he could just yeah. offer anything in any position almost um you know he looks brilliant at center back same in midfield you know when he was going forward yesterday like I I thought when he cleared that ball for the third goal, that it was just a bit of a hit, hit and hope. But I have mm. it on good, I have it on good authority that he knew where Antonio was and he picked him out at that pass. And when you think about that, that mm. is such mm. a good ball at that time of the da- at that time of the match and the pressure and so on. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree with what you're saying. Two defensive midfielders and an attacking one, and then with Bowen and uh, one of the others out wide. I think that's a that's a good a good. Um, for a midfield line there and I thought I just thought it's just so nice to watch West Ham play where players are putting effort in you know that was a such a tough game to come back from that shocking VAR decision and then that Mm. penalty then the penalty quite straight after to come back from that and win that game despite the constant knockbacks I mean that's a mark on uh 
uh, Rice's leadership to be the captain mm-hmm. and, and for that to happen. And I think David Moyes, I'm going to give him some credit. Apparently he had a go at them at halftime, um, according to what he said today on the website. And whatever he said, got them performing really well in the second half. So you've got to give credit to him because we're very quick to criticise him when things go wrong. But actually mm. he made the substitute of Yarmolenko and Yarmolenko scored the winner. So yeah, actually, which I didn't agree with, by the way. No, the I time. didn't. No, I didn't. I thought when, <laughs> when it happened, I thought, oh, what's he doing like that? But, yeah. you know, so yeah. you you got to, if you're going to criticise people when they're wrong, you've got to also hold your hands up when they're right. And I think, Absolutely. I think he actually did well yesterday. Um, and as I said to you on the podcast, you know, you know, after last week's podcast, it's quite funny. Like, um, someone sent me on an email that we received at the West Ham Way, um, because obviously you and I don't run that email account. Um, and it, you know, where you'd said that you thought we were going to go down, and I said I thought we would stay up just because of the the uselessness of the other teams. Someone sent me absolute abuse about that, um, saying that I was unrealistic and I and I'm I, I just be I'm just optimistic for the sake of being optimistic when I don't actually really believe it deep down. Well, I'm sorry. After these set of results, I stand exactly by what I've said because Bournemouth got battered at home to Newcastle. Um, you know, Aston Villa have looked terrible. Watford have looked terrible. You know, Brighton are only three points away from us. Norwich have already gone, I would say. So I do. I've, after that, I'm even more confident that we'll stay up now, but mainly on the the default of the other team as being so bad. Mm, I do apologise for sending that email, by the way. <laughs> um, but do, we do you know we also it's... slagged yourself off, so it was clever. <laughs> <laughs> No, you didn't. Oh, you didn't. It was. You, you didn't know. It was all slagging me off. Uh, you're a bit of a hero at the moment. I think. Like, uh, you seem to get. Mate, you seem to get fan mail, and I get hate mail. So, mate, I, I'm far from that. I got. I got one tweet today. Where, where is it? Let's see if I, I can find it. I won't name him, but it's clearly a bit of a prick. He's just, <laughs> he's just, just, re- just replying to me tweeting. If you've got any questions for the show, send them in. He literally, I think you're tagged in it as well. He he, he, he tweeted saying, apologise to Creswell, give Moy some credit, continue the APP at the club, uh, whatever that means. Don't slag Lanzini off either. He's did well. But yeah, thank <laughs> you. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a prick in every rose bush, as they say. But uh, no, the majority of people have been have been great. And you know, the the, the Creswell scenario was a, was an interesting one because that was a fifty fifty split right down the middle. Right? And yeah, I still can't understand the fifty percent that that didn't think he did anything wrong there, which, which I believe you sit within that fifty percent. Well, I do, way. and I mean, are we going to debate this because this could go on for ages? But let all I will say in the defences, mate, and our bit, you know, let's see how long this goes on for. So I don't think we should argue about it for ages because it's a negative thing on what should yes, be exactly. a positive show. Exactly. So we'll touch on it a little bit. But to me, I think what Noble has said in the past, in the sense that we will lose games, I think that's appalling. I think when Moyes yeah, when Moyes has said that it's going to go down to the last game against Aston Villa. I think that's appalling, and I and I agree. They're the sort of comments you do not want coming out of the club. But I think Cresswell's is slightly different because Cresswell and Declan Rice are very, very close mates, right? I don't know the context of the interview because, like you, probably I've only heard that little extract that's been published everywhere. But I, well, I was it, told on that note just quickly, mate. I was yeah. told. But the question was, how good is Declan Rice? Well, okay, so then that's that's why that backs me up then, because the question is, how good is Declan Rice? Yeah. Now, 
he is a mate of him, yeah. I know he plays the same club and stuff, but he's a mate of him. And we all know how good Declan Rice is. Declan Rice gets stick from opposition fans for being overrated and and fans of other clubs don't actually understand how good he is. And even when he first broke through at West Ham, I'm really going to do it one day because I remember boldly saying on this show when he'd only made a few appearances that he will go on to play, be a West Ham legend. He'll be a West Ham captain by the time he's 21 and he'll go on to be an England international and play for a top club I remember saying it and I got so much shit people used to call me a rice lover and I'm only saying it because I claim to know him and things like this in the past um, but it wasn't it wasn't any of that it was all because I could see how good he was so what I'm trying to say is here that Cresswell is obviously just trying to say just how good his mate is and he said he said in the interview I don't want him to leave so it's not like he said right someone should sign him because I don't want him to leave but if he played with better players he would be even better what he means by that is if he went and played for Barcelona or Real Madrid or, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. The world is his oyster. He is that good. Perhaps he didn't phrase it correctly, but basically he's saying he's that good. He could play for anyone. It's like the equivalent. If someone said to me, right, um, how good a presenter is Dave? And I'm going to kiss your ass a little bit here, but let's say how good a presenter is Dave. I would say something like, yeah, he's a top presenter. He could do loads. He could do stuff on, you know, top radio shows. And I would mean that. And I'd genuinely would say that and I've said it to people before but that doesn't mean I want you to leave the West Ham way that doesn't mean I don't think that I'm as good to be on the show with you it just means I think you're that good and and if I said that and then someone turned around and said to me like you know what the fuck are you talking about you need to say you're as good as him you need to you know you're basically trying to get him to go to other radio shows and admit your shit I'd be like no I'm not I'm bigging up my mate like and that is exactly I really think that's what Cresswell did and I listen I think you're right in what you're trying to say in the sense that it's a bit of a loser's mentality to say that we're not good enough for Declan Rice and I understand the concept of what you're saying but and I agree with that when it comes to Noble when it comes to Moyes but I don't think in this incident I've got no reason to, to defend Cresswell but I don't think in this incident he he meant it like that I think he just meant that's how good Declan Rice is. I disagree with everything you said, if I'm honest, because <laughs> the way I saw it, and everyone hears it and has their own opinions, and like I say, there was a, a whole to-do on this on Twitter, and it was 50-50. Um, but where I'm uh, coming from is this was before the Chelsea game. So he's gone and done this interview. Why he's done the interview, I don't know. He's got nothing to gain from it. West Ham have got nothing to gain from it. So how it was allowed to take place, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Secondly, this... This was before the Chelsea game. So in my opinion, we're down. Because everything I've seen post coming back from uh, this pandemic and the ban on football has been absolutely dog shit. I've seen no team morale, no togetherness, no fight, no heart and no quality. So that is that was West Ham when I heard what Aaron Creswell said. You know, as, as a paid professional, he has a duty of care to his teammates his manager, and more importantly, the fans. You know, it's, I don't understand how people could listen to what he said and think that was okay. You know, we're, we're, we're on our arse. Again, this is pre-Chelsea. We're on the bones of our arse, and he's come out, and and he's, he's got a pessimistic tone when he's talking about it, when that's the last thing you need. Well, and he's, he's a scouser, so mate. They all sound pessimistic. Well, maybe, maybe. But, he's, you know, he's a senior pro. And, he's you know, when I said... He's put Declan in the shop window. Loads of people said, no, Declan puts himself in the shop window. Of course he does. What I meant by that was 
he's just added to it. You know, we, we all know how good Declan is, you know, so why why talk about him like it's inevitable that he's going to leave? We all know it's true. I don't know what he's gained from that. What has anyone gained from that other than Declan Rice's ego to hear Aaron Creswell talk like that? You can talk about how amazing Declan is and that you just hope he's going to spend the rest of his career at West Ham. But well, he what, did what, kind of say that, though. He it, said, I don't want him to leave. He said, but if no, he, said, I, 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 he said, obviously, I don't want him to leave. Yeah. But the way he said it was that he knows he is going to leave. No, that's, I don't think that's it how is. I, that's how I heard it. That's well, I, I, don't, I don't think it is, mate, honestly. I, I just honestly believe... He'll, he'll become better when he goes and plays with better players. But he would what, do, though. That's yeah, absolutely obvious. Yeah but, yeah, but it's obvious. But why the fuck would you say it? Because why would you say it? What are you gaining from saying that? But, but about mate, talking about a player who ultimately will become a better player when he leaves West Ham. That but, is but, what he's saying. Yeah, but any listen, any player would be a better player if they left West Ham to join the likes of. I would be a better player if I played for Manchester United or whoever. Live if I played for Liverpool than I would for West Ham because I'd be getting. I don't know, you know, I'm not for one minute saying I'm anywhere good enough. But if I was a striker, say I would score more goals for Liverpool than I would for West Ham because I'd have better service. Now, what he's trying to say is he can play um for the very very top teams. He could play for Barcelona, Real Madrid, and he would be. What he's saying is he would fit in in those sides. Now, if West Ham were like, don't get me wrong, sitting in fourth, fifth place, going for a Champions League just behind Chelsea, and he turned around and said, Declan should move to a better club like Chelsea or implied Chelsea, then I would be pissed off because I'd be thinking, look, we're trying to get to that next level. We're, we're almost there. Why are you saying that they're any better when they're not? But the fact that we're sitting in a relegation battle... Mm. shit shit all season and yet Declan has still been like because at that point we hadn't beaten Chelsea shit all season and you know and and Declan stood out every single game it's not you know no West Ham player is going to go what we're not shit you know we're sitting 18th in the league we're not shit are they they're going to know the shit because they're in the relegation zone if anything if anything I would have hoped it would have made those players if they wanted to get motivated by it I think most of them didn't give a shit what he said but if they did they'd look at that comment and they would say actually Cresswell I don't agree with you I think I, I think Declan's we're as good to play alongside Declan I'll show you rather than think oh fuck it yeah we are shit oh, okay yeah Declan should leave with shit I just don't think it had the negative impact that everyone's saying it did and don't and don't get me wrong I think what Noble and Moyes said is terrible I don't think Cresswell should have done the interview in the first place I don't think it was handled that well you know he could have said it better but when you're put mm. on the spot like that you know there's things that I've said in interviews and I look back and I think oh, I don't know if I really meant that but you know you don't you don't you just say as it comes out sometimes yeah, where, so where's the common sense then why would you let a player go on talk sport yeah, but that's not Cresswell. I agree. I oh, agree. Cresswell didn't have to do it, did he? No, he, no, he probably he did. Uh, no, also, no, no, I don't agree, well, mate. All right, well, well, all right, even if he did, let's say, Aaron, you've got to go on talk sport. You've got absolutely no fucking choice. If you don't do this interview, we'll find you two weeks' wages. Let's just say that was the scenario, even though it wasn't. Yeah. He's He, like every other player, 
they've still been media trained to handle certain questions, especially when you're likely to be caught out by a station like TalkSport. So I just can't for the life of me see in this current position West Ham are in how you can say something like that. And what's the ideal answer? Tell me what the perfect answer is then. If they say how good is Declan Rice, I'd say Declan is phenomenal. He turns up week after week after week on a match day and he's just as good in training. He's got a fantastic attitude. He's a great friend of mine and I hope he stays at this football club for many years to come because I believe West Ham can build a uh, football team around him. He's that good. And then no, what will fans say? No, no, no. Because what would fans say then? Oh, that's absolute bollocks. He's been set up to do that. If, when, how many I times? Would do, they wouldn't. No, they would, mate. They would. The amount of times when... That's the answer mate, fans would expect to be. No, no, no. To. Listen, whenever someone, when a West Ham fan, or, uh, sorry, a West Ham person, like a manager or Mark Noble, turns around and says things like, we're not a circus anymore, or we're going to, we, you know, we start again, we played really well, we lost 3-0, but we played really well, like David. David Moyes says regularly, West Ham fans are like, cut the crap, mate, speak some truth, we played shit. And and I think he just spoke honestly, he just said that Cresswell, uh, sorry, Rice can play with the very, very best. To me, what he has said is, like what you've said, so pretty much word for word what you've said, but then he's added a little bit where if he went on to play for another club, he would be one of the top players then. But I, I genuinely don't think that that isn't true. That is true. And by that, I mean he could play for Barcelona, he could play for Real Madrid. I honestly think Declan could play for anyone, right? And that that doesn't mean I want him to leave West Ham. That doesn't mean I don't want him to stay at West Ham for the rest of his career. It's just a fact. He could, you know, and I don't see why pointing out the obvious at how good Declan is has any detriment to West Ham, in my opinion. I just think... Well, it, well, it certainly isn't going to have any positive effect, is it? Well, no, I and, don't and, think and, it's... And it's pointless. It's yeah, it is. It is. it is. Yes, it's true. I'm not yeah. disagreeing with a word he said. I just don't know why he said it. I don't know why he had to answer it like that. I just it, don't it, think he West meant Ham to. in this current position, all the fans have got the ump. And yeah, maybe he didn't mean to. Uh, maybe, you know, but then at the same time, obviously he thinks he's done nothing wrong because he hasn't acknowledged it or, or, or apologised for it. I just, uh, when I heard it and I listened to it five or six times over, I thought, Do you know what, this is the last thing we need. That, in my opinion, and everyone hears it differently, it came across terribly. And why he was even doing that interview is beyond me. But well, I am conscious, mate. I don't want to spend too much time no, no, talking no. about it. No, I agree. It. I think we're just going to have to agree to disagree. At the end of the day, we move on because the next day or the, next, the day after, whatever it was, we went and beat our, one of our main rivals 3-2 in an amazing performance. So whatever harm it did was quickly forgotten. And I think I think we just need to concentrate on the positives now. We've set ourselves a cushion mm-hmm. from the relegation zone of pretty much four points now because obviously it's three points but our goal difference is significantly better than than those teams that are down there we've just beaten probably our hardest fixture out of all of those Newcastle away is going to be tough Manchester United is going to be tough and obviously Villa and Watford are playing for their lives but if we can pick up three point six points from uh, Burnley and Norwich then I think that'll be enough to stay up and that's what we've got to build on now and we've got to build on how positive that performance was and it was an unbelievably positive performance. So thank God it was a positive performance because if it wasn't, I'd have spent two hours tonight talking about Aaron fucking Creswell. <laughs> I know. I must <laughs> admit. No well, that's why you I know? put that tweet out yesterday because I thought it's quite funny. <laughs> and then I did, I did. I think I did one where, I, where it was like fush when someone said Dave's going to be happier or something. So like, but yeah, yeah. it's all it, opinion- it true. Uh, yeah, it is, it is, it's exactly that. It's all opinions. People, you know, people have different opinions and they would have heard it differently. I'm, I'm 
very strong and can't be convinced otherwise as to what I think I heard and how angry that made me. And you're the opposite for the very same passionate reason. But it is what it is. And, and you know what? We do move on because it was a fantastic performance. And those players showed me something I didn't think they had. And I don't know where it came from. And this is why, yeah, I think David Moyes has to take some credit. Of course he does. And he was right when he said earlier that if you're going to knock the man, as we often do, you've got to give credit where credit's due. So he has to take some credit. But wherever they've got that from, they need to carry that momentum through to the rest of the season. Because as elated as I was to see that performance last night, locked somewhere deep within that elation is frustration because I know that's what they're capable of doing. And they can do that week in, week out. They can give 110%. As a professional athlete, giving 110% is the very least you should expect. But they, they, they don't, and they haven't. So I, I need to see, all of West Ham fans need to see that level of effort week in, week out. We're not going to win every game, but we need to see that uh, effort level from them. Because we've got the quality to match it. And if you get effort levels there and you get quality levels there, you're going to win more than you lose. And so that's why going forward, we've got to build off of this and bury the fucking curse of what is the 2020 season for West Ham. A million percent, mate. And what you've said is is true. And that's why I find this current West Ham team so bloody frustrating. And why? And I'm not going to open up this can of worms. So please don't react to what I'm about to say now because we've gone over this again. <laughs> but why, why I get so frustrated with the likes of Sebastian Annette, I don't look at him and think to myself, you're a bad player. I look at him and think you're a player that could do so much more than you're doing. And I think that about Anderson. And I think that about Lanzini. And I think that about bloody half the team. And that, and that is what's so frustrating, because if I look through West Ham's history, you can pick out players that technically haven't been that good, but have won the hearts of West Ham fans because of the sheer levels of effort. Now, Ian Dowie got runner-up in the Hammer of the Year. Technically, he was pretty awful, got runner-up. Mm. Keith Rowland was a popular player, you know, steady Eddie, but not a great player. Matty Holmes, you know, effort levels there. Again, technically, you know, not that good, which is why we picked him up from non-league, because he clearly didn't stand out when he was younger but effort levels were right up there you know Declan Rice has got himself from basically being a Chelsea reject as in released when he was 14 come to West Ham be like 10th or 11th choice out of the academy group that he was in but from pure effort levels has now established himself as one of the best players um, in the Premier League, I would say, for his position. Um, and, you know, it is all about effort levels. And as you said earlier, I just, it just winds me up. You can you can take a player like Antonio, who technically isn't that great. He'll frustrate you because he'll be like, oh, for fuck's sake, you can do better than that. But you can forgive him when he runs his ass off like he did yesterday um, and think, wow, what, what, uh, what an effort you've put in for us. And I just wish... I just wish these players would do it. You know, I think Sebastian Haller technically could be a very good forward. Someone just needs to get in his bloody face and tell him, move, look at Antonio. You do that and you're going to be some handful. But on that note, and I think I know the answer to this question, when we have a fully fit Sebastian Haller, does he start? <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask that. I really, <laughs> I really, really was hoping you wouldn't ask that because I just think we're going to debate about this for hours now. I've said it to you many, many times before, and I will say it to you again. You cannot change that team. That team yesterday, unless they're knackered, don't get me wrong, unless they're knackered or someone's picked up a little injury when you're forced into it or you look at them in training and you think, Jesus, Antonio has ran his ass off. He cannot play. Oh, to the 
same standard on Sunday. We don't have the privilege of seeing that in training. But if you're basing it purely upon the performance that we got on Wednesday and whether Allaire or Noble or Mazaraku or someone like that or Yarmolenko even should get into that team now. No, they don't. You keep it as it is because for me, we've played so shit in the two games before. We've, I mean, we weren't that shit against Tottenham because we were unlucky in that, but we haven't played great. They um, have finally got a team that played well, looked like a team. Everyone put in a performance. If you go and take a layer out, you've either got to drop Antonio and go with the same formation, which would be incredibly harsh on Antonio after that performance, or you've got to change the formation and keep Antonio up top with him. But either thing, you shouldn't do. So no, you don't. You put a layer on the bench, and if we're losing or not doing well, then you bring him on, and then you try and change the whole system, but you don't until that point. I agree with you, which is what? probably going to shock you. Bloody hell. And let me explain why. We've had this age-old argument, me and you, about, uh, you know, I've always said you have to play your best players, even on the back of a win. And I yeah. still believe that. But whether it's through fault of his own or not through fault of his own, I'm not sure as it stands, he can be classed as one of our best players. One thing that you can say, again, might be through no fault of his own, is that he is out of form. So for me, if he's fit against Newcastle, you've got to go for exactly the same side that ran out yesterday. And I think he's a great option if you want to change things up to maybe go to a 4-4-2 and play Mickey next to him. Because one thing I learned about uh, Halea, and I know you're not a stats man, you don't like stats, but I heard this the other day, and it was quite interesting. He's won the most amount of headers in the division. Oh, yeah, and that's that what people always use, again, like when they're arguing against me. But... Yeah, but, but, but that tells me, though, that there's someone dying to be playing off of that and, and getting on the end of those headers, you know? It depends. At the moment, no one is. It depends what way you use statistics, mate, and this is why I don't like it at all, because, first of all, yeah, it, you could argue that. You could use that very positively, that he's winning aerial duels against centre-backs. He's obviously able to flick it on for people, but then on the flip side, that stat doesn't tell you where the ball went. He could win that header and then it goes to the opposition or he could win it and flick it on to no one. You know, it's, it, these stats are just so uncontextual. You know, he might win a header in the in when he's defending a corner. You know, like it doesn't tell you where the header is. It doesn't tell you where the ball went to. It doesn't tell you anything other than that he can jump quite high and head a ball, which, right, yeah, yeah. yes, is a good trait. Yeah, don't get me wrong. And if the stat was he's got one of the most aerial headers that have gone to his his own team, then yes, and they're up when he's up front, you could say, yeah, brilliant. That you, that shows that he can do it, but it doesn't tell you that. It's like most tackles won. You'll be shocked to know, but last year, the stat when I tried to criticise Anderson last year that always came back to me was that he's won the most tackles out of any winger. And I think it was any last year out of any midfielder, and it might have even been the start of this year as well, Anderson had won the most tackles right out of anyone. Now, that that just doesn't tell you anything because first of all it could be that he he gave the ball away and then won it back it, you know it could be the, the fact that um I think it might have even percent it might have even been percentages of tackles so if you make one tackle and you win one tackle you've got a hundred percent record whereas if you make 500 tackles and you win 450 of them your percentage is not going to be as high I just think these stats never ever ever have context to them they just have it as what it is and not the bigger picture i think you make a fair point you do make a fair point and uh you know a classic one for example is 
Mark Noble's pass completion rate is yeah, through exactly. the roof. But then he, he does tend to make four-yard passes. Mate, if you're standing next to me, and you're one yard away from me, I yeah. could make a hundred percent pass completion rate. Yeah, yeah. if I'm mm. if I'm springing balls all over the pitch, um, like long distance ones, I'm also trying through balls to try and create um, goal scoring opportunities. Then my completion rate is never going to be as high, and that, mm. and that and that makes me look shit compared to the person with a hundred percent pass completion. But it isn't, and th- and this is exactly what I mean. Possession, you know, possession's another stat that people like to always bring up. But if you're passing the ball around in amongst your centre backs, back to your keeper, to your full back, to your defensive midfielder, back to your defender to your full back to your keeper to your, and just going around in, in your own defence what's the fucking point I'd rather yeah. be a team that has 5% possession and 2 goals than 95% possession and no goals you yeah. know you could just you could just look at any stat the only stats that matter in my opinion are how many goals you score and how many you let in everything else is contextual yeah and I think it would be fair to say in Hilaire's case could you say that stat shows that he's good in the air arguably not because like you say what's the end product of him winning that header. Yeah. What you can say is he's strong in the air. Yeah. Because if he's winning those headers, he's getting the leap, he's being physically strong, and he is connecting. But, but he could win that header time. on his own, mate. Like, this is the mm. other thing. If the ball, if he's winning a header, like, on the centre circle, and there's no defender near him, I can win a header, and I'm five foot seven if I'm standing on my own. You know, what I would want to see him as a striker, the two things I want to see from a striker are I want to see him linking up the play, holding the ball up, playing it to the runners, playing it out to the to the wing. Well, well, you do say that, but I argue differently. And then mm. the winger gets it in, he crosses it in, and Which then doesn't he, happen. And then he heads the ball into the net. That's what I want to see. And yes, yeah. he's not getting the service to head the ball in. I don't give a fuck if he's. I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot today, but <laughs> I don't give a fuck if he's won 135 headers on the halfway line. If he's won two headers in the box and scored two goals, I'd much rather that. You know. Like, this is what I mean by stats. Yeah, but if he's strong in the air, which I believe from those stats is the one thing you can take from that. Mm, Debatable, but yeah. Well, yeah, see, good in the air is debatable. Strong in the air, I don't think it's debatable. Because good in the air is based on the accuracy of where what you're doing with that ball when it leaves your head. Strong in the air means you're you're in a position to win it in the first place. And if that is a stone-cold fact that he has won more than any in the division... Firstly, if we keep playing the long ball and he's the last man, he's, he's probably got no one to flick it onto. Secondly, if he is strong in the air, like I believe he is, work on that, exploit that in training, do one-to-one yeah. sessions with him, have wingers whack balls into the box all day long. Because the thing is, on a match day, they don't. I still stand by the fact that I, I very rarely see wing play end with decent quality crosses for him to attack. And I stand by that. And I think you've got to use someone like that and play to their strengths. And I don't think do they you do. Think, do you think, and I don't want to, I don't know why we we need to move on quickly because I get enough shit about criticising Allaire at the best of times. So especially after we've won, I don't want to, I don't, and he's not played. There's almost no point me taking stick this week. But what I would put, in, put out there is, do you think Allaire would have scored Antonio's goal? Antonio's goal across um, across from Bowen, where he got it got in the, the right place. And the answer is my answer to that is I don't know. I don't know. You could argue that he wouldn't have, but I think he would have scored the opportunity that Antonio missed in the first half when he screwed it past the post. Mm, but I don't think he would have created that opportunity because Antonio but, created that but, from but, pace. But, and then, power. but then, how many times has Hilaire had the opportunity to play in a thriving side? like the one we saw last night. 
Mm. We're, we're, we're purely making judgments on Hilaire, constantly playing with shit around him that are putting out shit performances. If you see West Ham, I think I said it last week when we played Watford away, I think we won 4 1 earlier on in the season. 3 0. 3 0. Sorry, I'm thinking about the previous season, I think. Right. Um, he was he was brilliant. He was and he scored, mm. I think, uh, in that game as well. Two, I think, he they? scored two. So you yeah, know, putting the five inside when everyone else is performing around him, mm. then and and watch him get those chances and see what he does with them. Then I think you need to make your judgments. But at the moment, you know, the season so far, I just don't think we've given him anything. Um, well, so but, let, let put it this. I, I mean, I'm not disputing that you're wrong there because I agree with you. We haven't seen the best of him. That I think he's better than what I almost say he is on the radio um on the sorry on the podcast but what uh, but i still believe he could give more in terms of attitude but i put it this to you if we get the chance to have get 45 million back so exactly what we paid for him this summer and get the chance to go and invest that 45 million pound in another forward bearing in mind he scored what seven goals or whatever it is yes you could argue he's not had the service and all of that stuff but Tell me, would you not? Would you take that forty-five million and reinvest it, or would you stick with him for another season? I would like to see him have one more season, really. And I would, and I would sell Anderson and Lanzini for as close to sixty million as I could for the pair, and right. go out and invest that because okay. they've had their chances. Halea has been part of a very poor team this season, yeah. and he hasn't had the rave reviews that he's had at the young age that he is for nothing. Um, and, and also, if you look at his biggest success, he's been playing up front with people alongside him. Now, we've just used him in complete isolation. Now, what that has shown me is that his link-up plays very good. But at times, or most of the time, that's his only option, is to be a link-up man. I think if, if you put him in a 4-4-2, for example, you could see the best out of him. I don't know. Okay. Or, or a 4-3-3. Or well, I'm not, like I said, I'm not completely writing him off. I am genuinely curious to see if... I have got this wrong and that uh, we've, like you said, an investment in better wingers or midfielders or whatever um, and another season behind him, whether he would turn into a 20 goal player because realistically for 45 million, a club like West Ham, or maybe not 20, let's say 15, looking at 15, between 10 and 15 goals at least from your forward that you spent that much money on. I am genuinely interested to see if he can deliver with the right people. So part of me does mm. want to keep him myself off because if he is as good as certain people try to tell you he is, then, then brilliant. Then that's what we mm. need. You know, he, he is someone that we, we should have. But what I would also question is, is that he's French, right? He's a French international. Yes, they're still the yes, they're the world champions. So they're the, arguably the the best best club, um, national side in the world. But then I give you Olivier Giroud. Who would you rather have in your team, Olivier Giroud, who we realistically have been close to signing, or Sebastian Allaire? Now Olivier Giroud continues to play for the French national team as a target man, as a hold up person to bring the players into play, um, and Allaire doesn't get a look in. In the national side, you know, didn't even get in the squad. So, mm. so why, why is that? Well, it's a fair point, and you might be absolutely right. But in sometimes, maybe it's one of life's mysteries. Paolo Di Canio never played for Italy. Yeah, but that's when they had like Del Piero, Totti. Oh, I'm comparing him to Olivia Giroud. Oh, Olivia. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, mate. I mean, he he doesn't start for Chelsea. So no. how he is um, starting for France over Hilaire, I don't know the answer. But I certainly would rather see Halea in a thriving team getting chances over Giroud. Mm. Okay. Well, 
But you might be right. Listen, there's every chance you might be right. Unlike well, t- the Aaron Creswell argument, you might be right about this one. <laughs> do, do you know what? Funnily, I actually think I'm more right about Aaron Creswell than I am about Alaire. That's, that's, that's the funny thing about it. Because with Alaire, I will accept that there is an element of debate and that we haven't given him the best environment to thrive. Um, so I'm not, well, you know, I get so much abuse from my Alaire comments. I don't know why, because if you read really? Twitter, you're honestly, mate, of all the things I've said in recent years, that and when I criticised Anderson at the start of his time at West Ham as well, which ironically, and I always find it so funny when this happens, those people that absolutely slaughtered me for criticising him are now the ones that give him the most stick on Twitter, <laughs> as, always, as is always the way. But um, yeah. And I actually don't give him as much as the, what they do now because I still think potentially he is a very good player. He's just massively off form, both in terms of performance and work rate. But um, I do accept with Alaire, we haven't seen the best environment for him to thrive in. We are a relegation team. We have been playing awful. If your team shipping goals left, right and centre, it's very hard for you as a forward to then go and score two or three goals regardless. So I do, I do accept that the environment isn't, perfect for him but the one thing that money has no value on you could be a free transfer and be playing in the bottom league or you could be a 200 million pound player it doesn't matter what money you spend effort is something that all players can put in and that's Mm. what frustrates me yeah absolutely no there's no excuse for not putting in 110 percent effort as a professional athlete getting paid big 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 money you, you have to give 90 minutes of your body per week it's not a big ask and that's what frustrates me more than anything watching West Ham this season but one thing we can all agree on is that last night was an absolute joy and um mm, I, it was just just a pleasure to watch it had everything and uh yeah I was very proud of the boys last night and they should be proud of themselves will we be proud of them when we go to Newcastle what's your thoughts and uh our approach when we go to St James's Park it's a very, very tough game, that, because they are mm. looking really good at the moment, and credit to Steve Bruce. I mean, you talk about someone that's not got a great environment to succeed in. He's done a he's done a great job for Newcastle with the whole, you know, takeover rumours and the Ashley situation and things like that. Um, you know, he's... he's um, He's they're doing really well. I mean, their performance against Bournemouth. I didn't see all of it because obviously I was getting ready for the for the West Ham game and stuff. But it, you know, they destroyed them. They've mm. picked up a lot of decent results. They're not far off. You know, if they could keep this run going, actually you know, challenging for Europa League spot and stuff. So, I think I think it's a very tough game. You know, I, I think it would have been tougher if their fans were there because obviously it's a big crowd and passionate passionate crowd. Um, big ground, sorry, passionate crowd. Um, I'll. I would like, on the back of the Chelsea game, I would like us to get a draw there. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's realistic. If we we are anywhere near what we were last night, that's realistic. And I'll take that all day long, by the way. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Uh, Draw against Newcastle. What's the game after that? Is it Burn? No, Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, Norwich, I think it's after that. Or there might be one in between that. Is it Burnley, possibly? Can't remember the order of the games now. Can't remember the order. But anyway, if you look at the fixtures, we've got um, Burnley at home. Burnley are not in quite good form as well, which is a little Mm. bit annoying. But I think we should expect to beat Burnley. Then you've got Norwich. Well, I say expect. That's a bit confident. I would be hoping to get a result against Burnley away at Norwich. I think hopefully by the time we play them, they would have lost however many games they've got in between that and just be pretty much gone by then um if not mathematically gone so that i would hope you could pick three points up in and then you've only got to really draw maybe against villa 
or Watford, seven points, and then, I mean, that's enough. I'd really do. Mm, I think the fixture list is favourable compared to the teams around us, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, Bournemouth have got a really hard one. I think Brighton have got a tough one as well. Might be Villa possibly as well. I've got a really hard one. So I think, I think, yeah, I'm I'm reasonably confident. Well, let's hope for a razor sharp performance against Newcastle at the weekend. And that brings me nicely onto Harry's, who are sponsoring the show tonight. I love using this shaver. The closeness, the smoothness, the comfortable glide, the textured handle and the quality of the shaving foam. Even the packaging is of the highest quality. Jeff and Andy, two ordinary fellas who were fed up with overpriced razors, decided to start Harry's to fix shaving. Harry's knew there was only one way to ensure quality, so they bought their own factory. By taking less profit, Harry's offer great quality products for a fair price, and their amazing quality blades are almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. Harry's trial set includes everything you need for a close, comfortable shave. A weighted, textured handle, five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for just £3.95. All you have to do is go to www.harrys.com forward slash west. That's www.harrys.com forward slash west. X, you're a bit of a scruffy cunt. Can I interest you in one of these? <laughs> um, um, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't even, are we still recording? Um, I, had, uh, I had my microphone off. Um, um, uh, you could, if, you could, you could interest me in one of them. I mean, I've got, a, I've got a lot of body hair that, I, that could be, could be shaven. But um, I'm not sure I actually do much shaving on my face. So uh, maybe it'll be elsewhere that I do it. Oh god, I think that's a good that's a good place to leave it. I think, but uh, <laughs> he's not really a scruffy cunt. But he is up next. Okay, mate. Have you got anything for us this week? Uh, not a huge amount because obviously the the fixtures and the games are pretty much taking up all the main news. But um, in terms of injuries, I think I kind of touched upon it a little bit earlier. But um, Mazuaku and Alaire have been actually in training now, training like with the rest of the squad. The the Chelsea game too came too quickly for them to be involved too too soon. But um, there's talk that both will be available for selection against Newcastle. I would be surprised, especially on the back of the performance yesterday, whether he starts either of them. But I think they would have um, being contention for a substitute spot, at least. I mean, the main um, game that they're targeting for them to be fully available is the Burnley game. Um, so I guess that must be the next fixture um, between after Newcastle. Um, so, yeah, I think it's... Um, I think it's Good news for us, I think. As despite what I've said, we desperately need Alaire as an option because we haven't really got any other options. Um, especially as mm. I don't know if you saw in terms of shocking comments. I don't know what if you saw what Moyes said about a jetty. Did you see that? No. He he basically said something like, "Yeah, the reason why he hasn't been involved is because I've only seen him play a couple of times. I've probably seen him play as much as you guys have. Um, so I don't really know what I'm getting from him." Fuck me. I know exactly. <laughs> 
<laughs> so to completely take out training or the fact or the fact that he could quite easily get some videos um of previous games to where even not even for West Ham necessarily or for you know Switzerland or Basel or something where he can actually see what he was getting and um give him a go. So yeah, so I think actually blows from, your mind, doesn't it? Well, exactly. I think from that you can take that Jesse's future at West Ham is pretty much <laughs> pretty much non existent. Um, do you see for speaking of which did you stop West Ham related? But did you, did you see um, what Carlo um, Ancelotti said about Luke Garbert, the Everton left back? No. So he'd, so he'd been there like eleven years, I think, since since he was a kid, like came through their academy, and I believe he's on loan to Ipswich or someone like that. But he's clearly not you know, pushing for a first team spot, but he has been at Everton for 11 years. He is in their squad. He has played for their first team. And the reporter said to Ancelotti, who incidentally I did say would be a very good manager for West Ham. and got mm. abuse, abuse about that. And he seems like he's doing well at Everton. Um, he said, they said, so what do you think about Luke Garbutt leaving? Are you sad to see him go after 11 years? And he sort of stopped, looked really, really confused, <laughs> um, whispered over to, um, obviously some club official and said who Luke who who Luke who and the guy was like Luke Garbutt Luke Garbutt and he was like uh, no sorry I, I don't know who you're talking about <laughs> no, absolutely honestly mate and Luke Garbutt like credit to him quote tweeted it with a load of cracking up faces because it's like you know the, the ultimate insult really but I, I actually retweeted it on my Twitter so have a look after the show it's, it's just like how do you feel as Luke Garbutt that you've been at this club probably supported them as a kid you know for 11 years and the current manager doesn't have a clue who you are oh, so credit to him yeah. for taking it in the right way though yeah no he that did he funny. did he did now one th- um so the other thing with mark noble i don't know if it's been well reported or not but he was in training on friday um, not Friday, what day was it before? Yesterday, Tuesday. He was in training on Tuesday. Um, and um, he felt sort of his lower back type hamstring area and said to the to the boss, you know, that don't feel right. Um, and obviously they didn't want to take the risk with a hamstring and like that. You know, if it goes in a game, that'd be him out for the season. So they were like, right, Chelsea game. You know, we need him back for other fixtures, possibly more importantly, which obviously worked in our favour. So they didn't risk him. Um, and that's why he didn't play yesterday. Uh, and then the other thing I was going to talk about is takeover bids. Now, I get asked this so many times a day about whether the, these rumoured takeover bids are genuine. Now, it, it depends what you believe. Now, Trip is obviously one of the shareholders. I think like probably the third highest shareholder behind Sullivan and Gold. And he he has basically looked to speak to consortiums. Now, I believe this has happened. I don't believe it's anything new. I think it's happened in the past. I think he, there's also been discussions. I can't remember his first name, but I think his surname is something like Moley, who was involved with Tottenham and I think Arsenal and Liverpool at points of his career. I think he's also trying to get consortiums. Now, the people that I speak to, a number of very, very, very well-placed people who are close to Trip, tell me that there is truth in this. And I get often get messages said, there is truth. I'm telling you, X, I'm telling you there's truth in it. And they've often got things right in the past for me not to doubt them. However, the only reason that there's two reasons I doubt them is firstly, and I could be wrong on this, so people might bring me up for it. So I high and up, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think... Sullivan can sell the club until 2023 without having to pay back 15% of whatever he sells it 
for and because he's not meant to sell as part of the agreement of getting the stadium and also if you speak to anyone that is close to Sullivan uh, or Gold and you mention this unless they're playing games which is obviously quite possible with those two they say that they've not heard of any offer and that nothing's came through to them and even if it did they wouldn't sell unless it was a astronomical figure so i don't think anything is happening directly at the moment it might be going on behind the scenes obviously they need to know what division we're in because that affects a lot of things um but i don't think it's close but who knows whether they'll start to get their act together and something might happen in the future but at this point I wouldn't say there's a, a takeover imminent. Mm. Wow. Okay. That's interesting stuff. Very interesting. Yeah. And I mean, there isn't really much else to talk about this week because obviously, you know, there's a weak game, buyers, transfers, the injuries. It's all kind of quite well reported because you have games in between. But I guess in terms of us and the West Ham way, there's obviously a bit of news. We're approaching sort of, well, we're in July now. And we did say we were going to do the, um, the 90s podcast over a few beers when we can actually do it in each other's company now from this Saturday obviously things are getting more relaxed in the sense that we can go to pubs hallelujah and we could go to restaurants and various other um social delights like that so I think you can actually meet up certainly we could meet up in your garden and do it and with the right weather and so on we can have a few beers and stuff so I think the 90s podcast is uh imminently around the corner which will be really good because I'm I'm buzzing about that because you know you and I a lot of the moments where we literally crack each other up or when we're reflecting on um days gone by so I'm looking forward mm. to that and yeah. especially as 2020 has been like such a crap year it'd be nice to remember better times um and um so that's going to be good with potentially looking at doing an event for the last game of season against villa you put out a a, i think you put a poll out asking whether Mm. people would be interested and so you know it was heavily positive towards it like 89 percent, i think and probably Mm. the 11 percent that voted no uh, pricks that had no intention of coming anyway so so um so yeah i think that's a fairly fairly adamant um and so yeah so that's quite good but obviously there's you know things have been a bit difficult i guess for us in terms of of, of events and stuff because you know whilst we try to keep things as affordable and brilliant for the um consumer we obviously have costs ourselves so having events cancelled like we did that we'd already booked i think we had two didn't we, we had Harewood versus wolves and a brooklyn midweek one um, that we had to cancel and refund everyone and pay all the things we'd already spent out for and yeah so it's been a bit difficult so that kind of leads us on to a sort of idea that we collectively had didn't doesn't it yeah it does and this is a bit unorthodox and and believe me when i say me and x are not comfortable about doing this by any stretch of the imagination. And, and we are fully prepared for a bit of backlash on this. Oh, yeah, we'll get backlash 100%. Yeah, I'm sure we will. But um, it has been suggested to us on many occasions there are many that we should maybe start some sort of donations link. Um, and I think the best way to kind of put it in a nutshell where we can be fully transparent is to read a statement that's going to be put on Twitter tomorrow. 
Are you I'm okay on, if I do that? Yeah, I'm okay for you to do that as well, mate. But one thing I'd like to say as well, that before it goes out there, before the statement, is that with my news and stuff, obviously, without meaning to be arrogant, it is pretty much 100% accurate as of the time of me saying it. And that's not a, a big up of myself. It's just a big up of the fact that I speak to people that know what's going on at the club. There is skill involved in it to an extent because you have to piece things together. Obviously, I get agents telling me things that aren't always reliable. And you have to be able to work out what's accurate and what's not and so on. But I, but most of my stuff is pretty much reliable, 100%. Um, it will change, but it is reliable. But and I, So I do get offers, as you know, mate, because I've shown you some of the offers I get to do this sort of stuff for for money now i wouldn't mm. ever do that because first of all i feel like it's kind of a bit dishonest to be taking news that people are giving me as a mate to then kind of sell but on the flip side you know it is tempting particularly when you get a load of shit for doing what i do anyway you kind of think well you know i'm tempted but i've always always turned it down because i always maintain the fact that i want to give people the chance to hear things that i would have wanted to hear if i didn't know them if that makes sense yeah absolutely and and look you know without overdoing it this isn't a sob story from me and x because no. we we choose to do what we do and we love to do what we do but this is just our way of being fully transparent as to where we are and i think this statement will just i don't know i think it will make people just understand the situation a little bit better and then just give people the option if they want to contribute. But let me read this because this is going on Twitter tomorrow um, and uh, I think he explains the situation pretty well. So this is what's been written. In recent times, we've experienced a number of setbacks, starting with this podcast. For those who listen to the show, you'll know that we had plans to convert part of Dave's garage into a recording studio. And this was going to be funded by a lucrative sponsorship deal, which unfortunately fell through. In terms of the West Ham Way pre-match event, we've always strived to give value for money to those who attend, which is why, to our knowledge, we are the only pre-match sporting event in existence that offers inclusive drinks as part of the deal. This is because we want to look after our own and create something special for the fans during a time where a lot of people have felt lost since leaving Upton Park. This event has created memories, friendships and a place to meet heroes and this is priceless to us. However, we have seen our costs organically increase. Ex-players are more expensive, bar tabs are pricier, security and setup costs have gone up and because we are a legitimate company, we also have tax to pay on ticket revenue. Speaking of tax, we have just had to pay a hefty end-of-year tax bill, which has hurt us financially. Depending on ticket sales, at times we lose money, and it's reached a point where we are having to personally compensate the business account to break even. Ideally, we would like a contingency pot of money to turn to if required. Should we have this in place, we're confident that these events will be sustainable. Without it, we don't know what the future holds. Neither of us feel comfortable asking for donations, but it's been suggested to us on so many occasions we have reluctantly decided to give it a go. We have seen this work for other West Ham related sites and hope that people see enough value in what we do to get behind us in the same way. I must stress there is no expectation or sense of entitlement from this request, just an honest overview of where we are and the opportunity to contribute to a brand that means a lot to us and those who support it. All that's left to say is thanks in advance to anyone who does this for us. So that's the statement, and we'll be putting that on Twitter tomorrow, and it'll include a PayPal link. So if you do want to contribute, we would be extremely thankful. Is there anything else from you, mate? Well, I just think that on that note, nothing will change. Like people, other websites, and fair play to them. It's their prerogative. Do something. I think it's called 
patronage or something like that. I don't even know what it means because we haven't looked into it, but it's a word yeah, it's like patron, that. I think. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah, where people pay money to have extra content over other people, right? So they're basically like, I guess, exclusive members. You know, to name one, knees up, Mother Brown have exclu- a forum where you pay money to be an exclusive member of that forum. Number of these people, you know, have West their West Ham role that earns them enough money as it's their full-time job because they make enough money from it for us. Now, obviously we're, we're not asking for that at all. We're just asking for enough to be able to keep doing what we're doing as in the podcast and the events enough. It will change. You know, if some, if we, if someone donates 10 P we will try as best as we can to carry on as normal. Obviously mm. it makes things a bit difficult, but we will carry on as best as we can. We're not going to start charging you for anything different. We're just asking for, I guess uh, help out if you appreciate the work that you and I have put put into everything and you want to support it. We hope the money would then go to improving everything that we do do. You know, hopefully we'll get some funding to contribute towards the the sort of well, we say studio. It's basically going to be a shed in your garden, pretty much. But like you know, somewhere mm-hmm. where somewhere where we can record the podcast because when we come out of lockdown, it's much better to do it in person. You know, we want mm-hmm. to continue with the ex players. You know, things like that. It's it's only to sort of keep us continuing what we're doing as you said we both feel incredibly awkward about it we're both probably going to get a bit of stick for it we're not saying it's compulsory we know that there's things out there in the world which deserve money i tweet about them and raise money as do you repeatedly for those things so we wouldn't for one minute say that our cause is any more important it's just if you feel like you can contribute to help out to improve things going forward then we would appreciate it but as i say it's it's just there if you want to Exactly that, mate. Exactly that. Right, okay. So in terms of any additional news, mate, that's you done for this week, is it? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I talked about the kits last week. Obviously, you saw that the home shirt was released um, and was uh, and was as described. Um, yeah. we, uh, apart from the fact that they used uh, white shorts, whereas I wasn't sure on what the shorts were. But other than that, the kit was pretty spot on. The away kit, as I've said before, is the light blue kit that we've had before. Although it looks slightly darker than the usual ones, but that could be the photo but it's definitely the light blue one with the two claret stripes there's quite a big gap between the claret stripes but it's you know it's still like modeled on the previous way kit design that we've had many times the badge obviously is the same badge that um is on the home shirt so with the 125 years underneath it the betway sponsor is um a dark blue so it's like a light blue shirt and then a dark blue sponsor. The shorts are light blue. Um, now, what I saw in terms of the socks, they were also white, but I'd be surprised because they're the home shirt. So it's probably all blue. But again, I didn't see I didn't see the socks properly. I only saw the shorts and the, and the um, shirt, which was the light blue with the claret hoops one. Okay, mate. Sounds good. As always, thank you very much. Good stuff. Welcome back to the final part of the show, where as always, you've been good enough to send us your questions. And once again, this week, we've been trending on Twitter with the hashtag AskWestAmWay. So thanks for that. X is going to read them out. 
Right, the first one comes from, well, it's actually quite handy because this guy has not only sent us a question, but he's also written how you pronounce his name. So I thought, well, <laughs> seeing as he's gone to that effort, it'd be rude not to read it out. And this is from um, at Zente Vitas TV. And he said, love the pod, guys. Given most are unified in the belief we need new ownership, what would the job description say if you guys were to advertise for GSB's replacements? What will they be expected to come in and do? And what can they expect from our supporters? Oh, God. Well, I think you could probably give a bit of a piss-take answer and you can give a serious answer, can't you? I don't know what he's looking for, but assuming that he's he's asking a serious question there, I mean, the biggest problem with David Sullivan, I think, in particular, is that he's such a massive control freak. He just wants control of every single aspect of the football club. And, and that has led him to be so blinkered as to the, the crucial parts of running a football club that he should be doing, but isn't. You know, again, you know, if you're coming into own a football club, you've got to get the structure right. You've got to get the infrastructure right. You've got to get your scouting network in place. You've got to um, get a, 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 you know, a head of recruitment. You know, you look at your whole staff, your whole football club, but you can't just control that as one man. You need to employ sub-managers to manage these different divisions. And that's what he hasn't done. So first and foremost, I think from a practical standpoint, that has got to be in the description. And you just like to think someone that's got a few bob that, that's happy to part with it, really, because this club is just crying out to be taken to the next level. And it, it ain't happening now. I don't think it will under the current owners. Um, I think you've got that spot on. I think the new owners also need to um, have a better idea on sort of media and what what is the good a good thing to do and what isn't a good thing to do like mm. i think i think they should value fans opinions more um now i know that not all clubs engage with their fans but i think where the club have made very half-hearted attempts at listening to supporters but they don't really follow through with them or don't really value it i think they should get a board member or a couple of board members that speak for the fans and we'll actually challenge them on what they're doing. Um, to, but I think, like you said, the ultimate thing you want from your owners is money. And as shallow mm. as that is, that if, you know, you could forgive David Sullivan and David Gold if they were appointing the right managers and throwing however many mon- much money at these people, if it meant that we had success on the pitch, they, were, they might say the odd thing you don't agree with and you might not generally like how they conduct themselves, but ultimately you want your football team to win. So whatever can be achieved... Um, whatever it takes to achieve success I think is what you need but you, you, like you said you need a chairman that's going to be prepared to listen to other people expand the scouting network to beyond just trusted agents and also build up a network of like a like a what's the word build like a culture like a project you know so it's going to come in and take the club from the top to the bottom and make it what it should be incidentally i can't read the questions now because a certain scouser that played right wing for west ham in the 80s in our most <laughs> in our most successful season is calling me so unless i rude, rudely <laughs> cut him off it's just funny actually i was gonna say to you, i haven't spoken to him for a while um but uh yeah sorry wardy i've uh <laughs> I've gonna have to my, i just picked up my phone seeing a missed call from Oh, he obviously <laughs> tried you first. Okay, now we know. Now oh, we know who the here. well, exactly. Now we know who the favourites are. It's quite funny actually because <laughs> recently, not that I'm bitter about it, but a few ex players have got in touch with you and not me. And uh, yeah, and and, uh, and also some of them are the ones that are meant to be my mates as well. Fuck that. So introduce you to them and you steal them. That's why yeah. you're never meeting my bloody wife. <laughs> Hashtag awkward. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's fine, mate. That's, uh, <laughs> I, I, I've got my, I've got my group. I'm all right. Um, <laughs> anyway, right at um, Jazz. It's getting dark. You know, I need to turn the light in this room. I can't really read it. At Jazz seventy four up hall. Will you both ever consider launching a YouTube channel, which would include recordings of the West Ham Way event and the weekly show, also a weekly program where fans are able to dial in or zoom in to ask questions? Uh, well, I mean, you'll know our frustrations better than anyone when it comes to this. I mean, you know, I, it's, I've got to be careful what I say here because we've had people come forward that have been enthusiastic, they've contributed, and then for reasons out of their control, they they haven't been able to, to take it any further. We've also had people approach us, talk a good game, promise the world, and they disappear after a day. And that's just, that's happened countless amount of time. So that's contributors to the West Ham brand as a whole, where me and you are concerned. Um, well, first and foremost, the YouTube content, for some reason, just doesn't seem to get the views. I mean, we we had Sam record a lot of our podcasts, didn't we? And he used to upload them, and the mm. views were low. Where in comparison yeah. to this podcast, the listeners are high. So I don't know if it's a, a marketing issue, people are not aware of it, or just not interested, I don't know. But if you're talking about potentially having additional content where I'm talking to you, the other challenge that we've got is you can't be seen on camera. So mm. that means the person's just going to be looking at me the whole time and hearing you. And I don't know if that's desirable, if I'm honest. Well, don't, don't undersell yourself, mate. <laughs> uh, you know, I think, I think there's a few people who come in just to purview. Right? Uh, so, um, you know, there's, there's a few people, you know, I'm picking you up. To, perf, yeah, <laughs> I'm picking you up at the moment. I'd say that, you know, you've got the beauty. I've got the brains out of the two of us, possibly. Yeah, but, um, I, I, I do feel a little bit guilty about calling you a scruffy cunt now. That's <laughs> all right, mate. I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm uh, happily married, aren't I? So, uh, <laughs> so uh, <am> <laughs> <laughs> very, very true, very, very true. In fact, you are, and I'm not, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic, not now, but I'm not. Out of all the married couples I know, I'd say probably you and Kate are the, are the strongest and happiest I know. So, yeah, I will give you that. So, like, I'm trying to cover your back now, mate. So, yeah, she's saying guilty, but I'm actually trying to be genuinely be nice. Um, um, uh, what was, what were we even talking about now? I've lost the chain of thought. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, you're right. So, we tried it with Sam, and, it, you know, it, it went massive when we had Tom Skinner. On, but I think that's because obviously yeah. people from The Apprentice were watching it rather than West Ham fans. Um, uh, we obviously some of the Jimmy Walker interviewers on there, which is classic, one of our best ever ones. And there are some on there, but they, like you say, they don't get watched. And I think the YouTube channel is possibly the most frustrating thing I've ever done in terms of West Ham mm. social media because mm. you know, back in the day when it first started, and I had you know, Evan and George for probably it was like the last season at Upton Park. And then we went to the new stadium and it went quite well. You know, we got some good views on it. We had some good content. We interviewed some good people before the game. Evan got to the point where he was doing stuff for the club. So he kind of lost a bit of interest in the West Ham way stuff, I guess. Um, and then stopped going to the games. I'm not even sure if George still goes to the games now, but um, it was sad really because I liked the two of them, got on really well with them um, and things were going quite well with that. Um, and then I've advertised two or three times for people to come on and just make the channel their own. Um, mm. And you always get such enthusiasm. Like, literally, I get like 
honestly, 15, 20 people, yeah, I'll do it. I love it because it's a good platform for them because mm. it's already got, it is, it's got 3.5 subscribers that you've got. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I know, but it's still a decent basis. And then no, you've got. It's a 3.5 as if it was like nearly four people that. Had, oh, uh, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 3.5 thousand. Yeah. I mean, probably it's about that many that listen now, but uh, yeah, 3.5 thousand. Um, and then it's got, you know, my Twitter account backing it up with the followers I've got, the West Ham Way website, the West Ham Way Twitter account, your Twitter account, Facebook. So it's got a lot of backing behind it for someone to really come on and make it their own. Like, you know, Geo and Gonzo are probably the the leaders, I guess, in terms of YouTube content for West Ham stuff. And, you know, you're never going to touch them because they're both very, very, very good at what they do in there. And they're the established brand, I guess, West Ham Fan TV as well for the content they do and you're never going to compete with them and I'd never want to compete with them but because they're both good lads and good friends of ours and you know what they do is very good but what you know there's a platform there for someone to take on and make it their own and try to do something different but every time we get someone on they just they just don't do it i don't know why they talk a good game but never deliver and mm. sad really because it would be a good opportunity for someone but so there's anyone listening that genuinely genuinely wants to do something with this and actually put some effort into it then then that would be great you know like everyone's got to start somewhere when we did our first podcast i'd imagine it's a million times better now though we did start with trevor so it's quite mm. hard to, to you started quite high but i mean in terms of listeners and stuff and i think probably our our ability to present and talks probably improved. So you've got to start somewhere and hopefully you can lead it to better things. So I just wish people would do that, but yeah. And, and, and in terms of potentially filming, streaming and uploading the events, I mean, this is an idea that we've had previously and yeah. I think there'd be a massive demand for that because there's so many people that would love to go and can't for whatever reason, we can't go into the reasons why we can't do it but there is a very frustrating political reason why we can't film these events and stream it. So unless that changes, then I don't think we can. Yeah, which is really sad to be fair, because it mm. would be great, particularly, you know, those people that live abroad, for example, and can't yeah. get to it. They do miss out, but yeah, there is more to it than just not doing it type thing. Right. So this is from at Martin W one, two, six, zero, five, five, three, four. <laughs> I don't know what that number represents. Maybe it's his bank card we should all rush out. But uh, yeah, um, any ideas on what our transfer policy is going to be? Are we going to sell some of the dross and use that to buy? And- and use that to buy, for example. Well, at the moment, I think it's very up in the air, as I've said before, d- division dependent. But I think the plan is to shift as much as we can and then reinvest it in players that have potential to it progresses players and also progresses an investment. You know, if you look at the success of Gerard Bowen, um, I think that's the model that they'll be looking at. So I've, as I've men- mentioned, they like Eze. I think that's how it's pronounced of QPR. There's a couple of players at Brent, um, Wurford. Why do I always get that wrong? Brentford um, with um, Watkins being one of them. There's a winger. I think he might be Algerian. Ben Beharami or something like that. He mm-hmm. so we looked at him. Um, there's a left back for Wigan called Robinson, who I'm not sure how interested we, did we are, but we should be. Um, so it's players like that that um, 
that we will be looking at. So yeah, I bet obviously it depends on the division and who we sell. Um, mm. This is at Nick underscore um, Bertram. What do a Jetty and Silver have to do to get any game time? <laughs> well, 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 be visible to David Moyes in the Jetty <laughs> case because Moyes don't even seem to know he fucking is by the sounds of it. Um, exactly what I was going Yeah, Silver. I mean. It's I, I feel sorry for him. It's so hard for the under-23s to even get an opportunity. And when you do, there's so much pressure to perform when you get those opportunities. And uh, he just hasn't really had the... He hasn't had that, has he? He hasn't had the exposure. And it's it's must be frustrating for him because at the moment, we don't really have a natural, fully fit striker, yet he isn't being considered. So that yeah. is a bit of a concern. Whilst Antonio's firing, he's not a natural striker, is he? No. So um, it's interesting that he hasn't even had a substitute appearance yet in the last three games. So uh, the answer is, I don't know. I mean, I'm hearing Silva from UX has been firing in training. Mm. I don't know what else he can do. No, I don't think, unfortunately, in the situation that we're in, the manager's prepared to take that gamble. And these players, you may find, if let's say if we stay, if we do, if we're already mathematically safe with, I don't know, say two or three games left, you may see them feature then. But I think the manager just doesn't want to gamble on them, which is sad because I don't think we would now because of yesterday's performance. But I would have given Silver a chance against Chelsea without the benefit of hindsight. Um, I'm glad mm. he didn't now, but um, mm. if you was to ask me before the game, I would have given him a chance. So I mm. don't think either of them will get their chance, unfortunately. It kind of leads on to the next question, which is from... Um, Sorry, mate, just to add to that quickly, in the unlikely event that we become mathematically safe sooner rather than later with a few games spare, surely that's the ideal opportunity to give them a run out then. Well, you'd hope so, mate. It's the perfect time to do it because, mm. I mean, I know he's left the cup now, so it's a bit of a strange thing to talk about, but had Ngakia not got his, you know, call up against Liverpool because of the fact that everyone was injured or suspended, he never would have got those four or five games to show that he was a decent player. So, um, mm. yeah, so I think you need to give them their chance, but don't think they will unless we are in that position. And like I said, it follows on to Leonard WHU, who we both know from our time in yeah. uh, Vegas. She's a, a top lady. Um, yeah, she just, ba- just basically said, is there any young forwards that we could call on? Um, to be honest with you, forwards the position in the academy that doesn't really jump out to me. There's a couple of players that we've got. And I'm going to struggle to remember their names without researching. I think they both begin with A. I think they're both African surnames. Um, and I think one's been on loan at Oldham at one point. I think the other might have played for someone like Northampton or somebody. Um, or they or they might be just the same person that played for both clubs. I can't remember. But there's a, there's definitely a couple of forwards that have been in the academy and gone out on loan. Um but they didn't seem to really set the world alight on their loan spells. And I don't know, I think you look at someone like Martinez, who was banging them in for the academy, and he's actually banging them in in Portugal now, or wherever he is, I think it's Portugal. Um, And you look at Elliot Lee, who was banging them in the academy, and Freddie Sears, and people like that, that have never really then gone on to transfer at the pro level. I don't think there is a striker that stands out. I think at the moment, our best prospects are midfielders, defenders, and keeper. I don't know why that is, but I just think that's the case, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so this is at CatCon, who said, who was your man of the match last night? Yes, uh, it's it's a good question because it would be between two. 
I don't think you can look past Antonio, in my opinion. I think it has it has to go to him. He was just incredible last night, as was of Bonner. But as a centre half, it's a it's a far less glamorous position. And I don't think you get the plaudits sometimes you deserve. He was as solid as a rock last night. Absolutely outstanding. But I just can't look past Antonio for me. I thought he was brilliant. I see. I think Rice was also brilliant. So was, as sorry. A... So it was Deck. So it was Deck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I'm torn between the three. Um, between, like you said, Ogbonna and Antonio plus Declan. Declan was world-class yesterday. And the thing with Declan that makes him so good there's a couple of times where you just don't think he's going to get the ball and somehow he manages, like, always oh, lost the ball. Somehow he manages to hold on to it or just nick it from the person. And it's so crucial. It's so insignificant, really, in the grand scheme of things, but so crucial to the success of the team that it's so important. And I think sometimes... Obviously, everyone says how good he is, so you can't say he's undervalued, but it's those little things that sometimes I think don't get the praise, uh, some of the more noticeable things that he does. But um, Ogbonna showed the defence up. I think you're right. I think purely for effort, the fact that he scored a goal and then set up the, the third one as well. So he contributed massively. But even if he hadn't have scored and set one up, the effort he put mm. in, I think, just pushes it to Antonio in my eyes as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, so this is at WHU Omar, um, who seems to actually be one of the few decent football Twitter blokes, to be fair to him. Um, <laughs> how many points do you think we'll get from the rest of our games? Oh, God. Well, it's, it's kind of... Um, I think that performance last night has throwing it all up in the air for me. Mm. I'm just trying to load the West Ham fixture list up now. Well, I can tell you them. I can't tell you the order, but I know them off by heart in terms of who we've got left. So Newcastle this Saturday. Yeah, so I think I've got the full list now. Sunday, so, Sunday that is, actually. Sunday. So, um, before the Chelsea game, I went for a defeat, but <laughs> ever the overnight optimist, <laughs> I'm going to go for a one-all draw now. Yeah, I think I'll say um, the same. So, that's one point that's each. One point. Burnley at home. Oh, that's a bit of a tricky side, aren't they, Burnley? Yeah, and they're quite in quite good form at the moment. I'm going to go for another draw there. I'm going to go for another one all. Okay, I'm going to go for a win. So that puts two with you and four with me. Okay, um, Norwich away. I'm going to go for a win. I'm going to go for a win. So that puts you at five and me at seven. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, you at five and me at seven, yeah. Watford at home, I'm going to go for a win. Okay, so that gives you ten. No, it doesn't. That gives you eight. <laughs> and it gives me... Um... Oh, what am I <laughs> going to go for? Uh... Uh... Bit torn on that one. I think I'll go for a win as well. So that gives me ten and you eight. Uh, Man United away, I'm going to go for a defeat. Yeah, me too. And then Villa at home, I'm going to go for a win. So I've gone from thinking we're going, we're going to get relegated. We're not going to the fucking door of Europe now. I love how <laughs> fickle football fans game. are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I'm going to say a draw against Villa because I think we might not have anything to play for then. And I think they, they may well do. So I'm going to go for a draw, which actually I think from calculation, if I'm correct, puts up us both on 11 points. 
which if we have 11 points will take will take us to what 41 will it and uh, if that's true um because i think we're on 30 points at the moment aren't we yeah we are um so if we actually went down with 42 points with glen road but because the other teams are so rubbish i think we'd easily stay up with 41 points yeah the, the problem is the reason this is so hard to call is that whenever we're discussing the potential of relegation or we're talking about how many points we think we're going to get, we're never really judging it on the quality that we've got. We're judging it on how much those players want it and will they turn up when we play these teams. And that's the answer you never know. You Mm. never know the answer to that question. And that's what makes it so difficult. I never in a million years expected us to perform like we did against Chelsea. But that tells me maybe there is some fire in their bellies. And if they've got the fire, they've got the quality. So that's my excuse, really, for sort of doing a bit of a U-turn overnight because I was just blown away by what I saw last night. And it just goes to show that we could really end this season a lot better than most of us thought we could. Mm, Definitely. Right, this is from at DJ Tiao. Um, Has Mark Noble's time come to officially pass the armband onto Declan Rice in order for West Ham to begin building on the Rice-Suchet partnership in the defensive midfield after last night's performance? We looked a different gravy with those two side by side. Yeah, we did. We did. I think... um, Yeah, I think think he probably should. I mean, my my gut reaction was he's got to be the captain until the end of the season with Declan being vice-captain. But ultimately... I'm also saying that I don't think Nob should start. So unofficially, he probably would become the main captain anyway. Um, but I do think that his time's coming to an end, Nob. And it's and it's sad. It's really sad. But if we're thinking with our heads over our hearts for a minute, I think that's just a, an inevitable um, process, really. Now. Yeah, see, I think I agree with everything you've said there. But I think what I would say is that almost like what Zabaleta was at West Ham. Now, Zabaleta was never officially a captain. I mean, mm. I had like the odd few minutes here and there where he technically was. But actually, the whole time he was there, he never was. Obviously, Noble was um, for the majority of the time. So, But off the pitch and around the club, because of his experience and, you know, he was a winner uh, at Man City and so on, he, um, he played the role of, of the captain kind of, unofficially so he mm. was very good with Declan Rice he took him under his wing very good with some of the younger players a really good professional to have around the place mm. I still think that's a job for Mark Noble so on the pitch 100%. on the pitch Declan Rice is your kind of match pitch captain but if Mark can still be a club captain off the pitch you know didn't have to officially have the armband but still do the role and I still would like Mark to stick around for at least maybe in two more seasons possibly um, and then I think it is time to go then he doesn't want to damage his legacy by being completely awful you know before mm. he leaves so I would say like two years maybe max um, so this is from at the... X when does his contract expire I actually think it expires next season I think at the, the end top of, of my season? head yeah at the end of next season off the top of my head so it might I might be wrong I think Fabianskis is the same as well um, so I can't see the club giving him a contract renewal though can you <sighs> I don't know, mate. It'd be interesting. Depends who the manager is at the time. And mm. yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if he'd take it. You know, there was a lot mm. of talk. He's very successful off the pitch. Mark Noble is one of the few footballers that have actually invested their money sensibly in property and things like that. So he doesn't need to play football anymore. He's very, very well off. Um, so 
and he'd be a club legend if he retired at the end of next season. So mm. maybe, maybe he, maybe he won't want to. We'll, we'll just see. Um, at the, oh, I thought my batch would run out there. At the real Wazza one, um, keep up the good work with the pod guys. Heard another rumor regarding Alaire today that the club has missed a payment to Frankfurt in May and have been reported to FIFA. Any truth in this? <laughs> that wouldn't um, surprise me. Well, do you know what, mate? Pardon. Have you heard anything about that? Um, there is there is an element of truth in that. Now, I don't know if they've missed a payment. I couldn't confirm either way. And I do know it. that is not the reason why he's not playing. He is genuinely injured and he will play um, against Newcastle, hopefully, or he'll play some point this season. Um, but I do know that during the lockdown, David Sullivan typically was trying to negotiate not having to pay all the full installments on the deal to Frankfurt. So I don't know where he got with that and whether he was successful or not, but I do know that there was attempts made to do that. Um, so, yeah, and I think this is another thing that we need to change as a club. How many chairmen of other clubs do we piss off? Look at the whole mm. fiasco with... Um, Cavalio when he played for Sporting Lisbon. You know, when we had Bilic, we tried to sign him, and then the, then they ended up publishing emails that were so badly written between the two chairmen, and it was just a shambles, really. Mm. And, and we just end up annoying so many other chairmen by our bargaining skills that, um, yeah, that's something that I would also change. I'd like things to be done more professionally in that respect. Um, at Matt. No, at Matthew Sharp one one eight, are we all being too critical of Moyes? Bearing in mind he has taken on Pellegrini's garbage signings, and if he keeps us up, does he deserve to be backed in the window with a large war chest? No, no, not for me. Uh, he's not my cup of tea whatsoever. Um, you know, we can't go all season saying this and, and giving our opinions on him and our frustrations and his lack of in-game management and how he, he holds himself. And, uh, and we can't change that in the back of one game. Um, I, he, he isn't the future of West Ham. I do still believe he's a dinosaur. Yes, he's got a good result last night. He might pick up a few more. But if you're looking at long-term strategy and you're looking at a potential young, hungry manager with fresh ideas, someone who's all about the modern game and is going to excite fans by how he takes us forward. David Moyes doesn't fit in that description for me. So I think regardless of what happens, do you know what? And I mean this, and I, and I know this might sound a bit silly and I might get a bit of stick for this. I honestly believe if we win every single game now to the end of the season, he's still got to go. I still think we've got to start fresh in the summer. Yeah, see, I think I'd actually agree with you because, like you said, we can't sit here together <clears throat> doing podcast after podcast where we say how many stupid decisions he's made, how he's not motivational, et cetera, mm. et cetera. And then on the back of one performance against Chelsea, um, suddenly say, actually, you know, he might be the man. I think we have to stick by what we've said and actually look for a different manager, like you said, that maybe a bit younger, a bit fresher, and has some new ideas that can take us forward, because possibly he isn't he isn't one to do that. Part of me does kind of understand the argument that he comes in both times in January, in or November, or whatever it was the first time, inherits a squad that is performing terribly with players that are not delivering, 
and then has to try and work with them. And if you look at the free signings he made in January, he signed Bowen, he signed Suchek, and he signed Randolph, and we needed a backup keeper. So whilst Randolph technically hasn't done anything, Suchek and Bowen have been great signings. So yeah, he did. But then at the same time, if you look at where West Ham finished during his first reign and where we're potentially going to finish during his second, they're still underachieving with the group of players that he's got. And yes, okay, he's, he's come in and inherited a squad of players, but every new manager does for every single club. But the, the, the skill to man management and using your knowledge and experience of the game is getting the best out of those players. Now, if we had a shower of shit and just a load of crap, in the squad, I'd understand it. I'd sympathise, but we don't. We have a good group of players there that are in a relegation battle that we shouldn't be part of, and and he has to take some responsibility for that. He's had long enough now to make a difference at West Ham. All right, he got a fantastic result of a fantastic performance last night, but really and truly, I think he's had long enough now to have made his mark, and I just don't think he's the man. I'm convinced he's not. Yeah, fair enough. All right, um, this is at the Iron Duke 4. Hi, lads. Hope you're still smiling from ear to ear. Who's your hammer of the year so far? Whilst Ogbonna has been very good, you can't look past Rice for me on another level and consistently our best player, worthy winner, and one of the few sparks this season. All the best. We, ha- yeah. we have kind of said this. I think for me, my top three, and I think it is only three, I think Bowen could have been a contender had he been here longer, but but my, my top three, and I'm torn between first and second place, I really am. I think if we go on to stay up with Declan as captain, performing the way he did yesterday, I think Declan edges it for me. So I think I will go mm. Rice, Ogbonna, and then I think third place would be Antonio for me. Yeah, I agree, word for word. And um, I'm also a little bit torn between Rice and Ogbonna, but... I also think Oggy's missed more football than Declan. Declan isn't just a top-level performer week in, week out. He's available week in, week out. And you can't overlook that. He never lets us down. He's so reliable and he's always there. Whereas Oggy, through no fault of his own, has missed quite a bit of football through injury. Um, So for me, Deck edges it. Yeah, and it's a massive success story for Bonner and Antonio because, like, a year mm. or so ago, you know, we probably would have sold both of them. You know, both of them out of form, both not particularly looking very good. So the fact that those two are going to take second and third, in our opinion, it is a credit to them. I mean, most improved player this season has to be Bonner, I would say. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he we went take... through a period of getting a lot of shit from West Ham fans. Oh, yeah, he was like, I would say last year, you know, if you'd said your best partnership, it was always Balbuena and Diop. But now, the first name for me in the defence, and I include right back and left back on this, is Ogbonna. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely the most solid. Um, at Itracherry, evening chaps, the way things are going in general with COVID, what do you think will happen, good and bad, next season for us in football? Um, I think next season... We will hopefully be better than we are this season, which, uh, which I think we hope will be in the Premier League. I hope fans will appreciate going to football more because I must admit I was losing a bit of interest in it, but I would like to go particularly to an away game again. There'll be a real buzz for an away game. Um, so I think mm. fans will enjoy going to matches again. 
Um, and I guess we'd appreciate, and it's not really directly related to West Ham, but we would appreciate the social side of football, I think, next year a lot more. I think yeah. actually doing events and things like that will be even more special. Yeah, I agree. I also think we need a, a serious look at our squad at the end of this season. You know, I do want to see investment made. Whether that's realistic or not, I don't know. But, you know, I, I want to see the back of Anderson. I want to see the back of Lanzini, if I'm honest. Um, I, d- I wouldn't lose any sleep if we lost Wilshere. Uh, Ryan Fredericks, in my opinion, has probably got one more season to prove himself worthy of a of a spot week in, week out, right back. Uh, I'd like to see us go, and there's no agenda to this, for a, a solid, young, fast left back. I think both full-back positions need looking at, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, and we, we need to enforce uh, what we've got up front as well. We need, to, we need to be strong. We need more options. And, and also, coupled with that, I would, I would love to see a new manager. I'd love to see a new manager that can work with the players that we've got and get the best out of them. You know, mm. so even the likes of Fournells, he's shown moments of promise, but I'd like to see a manager come in and really take him to the next level. And I'd like to see Bowen build on his impressive start and establish himself as a Premier League player and get stronger and stronger. And I just think that really it stems from the manager who then in respect, gets the relevant backing from the board. And just with everyone pulling together, with the right appointments made on and off the pitch, I, I think we could really kick on next year. But how many times have we said that? At Brian Condon 68, when Antonio started bombing long throws in, lots said we were like Stoke. Do you actually think it was a plan based on Chelsea defensive frailties as well as the corners? Got to give credit to the manager and tactics as they rocked each time we did it. Why only now? Um, it was a tactic. I can say that one of the mm. uh, one of the things in the briefing from the tactical people um try to be vague to not give too much away here was that um was to was to exploit their weakness in defense from set plays and it worked as i said that's why antonio took the throws that's why corners were important that's why free kicks were put into the box um and that's why frank lampard afterwards in his interview said that they exploited our weakness which we did and that as we've said before, is credit to Moyes and the tactical team for doing that because it was a weakness of Chelsea um, and a weakness was their counter-attack as well, which we hit them on for the third um, and the second. So I think, yeah, it was a very good tactical performance. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if that's all true, and it makes sense that it's true because it looked deliberate, then 100% the manager has to take credit, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is at Sam Shearer Seven. What a great surname to have. Um, any chance Wilshire is kept on next season? Just a glimpse last night and know all the issues, but can't help but think he's still got something to offer us. So much quality and brings passion when he's out there. Well, no one's going to sign him first and foremost, are no, they? He's, he's got a year left, and he's got a year left. Yeah, it's, so, exactly. So I think be. no, I, I I can honestly see much of what we've seen this season. And it's such a sad story in football, really, because he was one of the country's top players. He played at international level, done good things at Arsenal. He is passionate. He is committed. He does get stuck in. And he's great with the ball at his feet. But you just don't see it often enough because he's a crock. And I can see him probably making between six to ten appearances, including substitutions. Um, And then he'll go at the end of his contract. And that'll be that. That's what I'm predicting. Yeah, I think you're right on that, to be honest. And like you say, it's sad. I think potentially he could be our best player, but fortunately I don't think he'll ever reach that potential. Um, mm. At um, 
Jeff Horry. Um, is there any suggestion um, the owners are paying an interest in Sean Dyche's situation at Burnley? Well, before we got Moyes, he was heavily linked by myself um, and a number of people. He was actually, he, he's a good friend of Karen Brady for some random reason. And, yeah, I don't know why, but he is. Um, and uh, he's also expressed an interest in managing us. I believe if we wanted to get Sean Dyche next year, we could. I don't think if we stay up, they'll get rid of Moyes. I don't think if we go down, they'll get rid of Moyes. I think Moyes will be the manager next year. And I think if we did go down, Dice would obviously not leave Burnley for us. Um, but I don't think even if we stayed up, we would let Moyes go. So I don't think it would be an option. But I think if Moyes was to suddenly go, if he was to get the sack, then I think Dice would be interested. And I think we would approach him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not excited by that, if I'm honest. I've never been excited by it. Um, doesn't do anything for me. I would actually be more interested if we got relegated and he left Burnley to come to us. Now, I know this might sound ridiculous, but I'm not convinced that he would turn us down if we got relegated. And the only reason I say that is because, you know, West Ham would be such a sleeping giant. And I just think Burnley, he's been there a while now. He obviously doesn't get a hell of a lot of money to spend there. Has he taken them as far as he can take them? Is he looking for a new challenge now? And let's be honest, West Ham are a bigger club than Burnley. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he if he would show an interest, depending if he depending on whether he would get the backing that he would need in that division. But maybe I'm deluded, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I, would, I don't I know. want him if he was in the Premier. I wouldn't want him. He doesn't excite me at all. That's interesting because he's done a very good job at Burnley. Limited oh, yes. resources, but yeah, yeah I'm not has. sure. And Eddie Howe is at Bournemouth, but I wouldn't want Eddie Howe. I, 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 you know, I, maybe I am completely and utterly delusional, but I just think we, I, I just think we're a club that deserve shooting for the stars and really bagging a good appointment. You know, look, th there's been an age-old argument about who's a bigger club, West Ham or Everton. And you'll find that more often than not, people will say Everton. But they've got Carlo Ancelotti. Um, I can't see why we can't get someone of that sort of status. No, now, I wanted him at West Ham. Yeah, well, I mean, well fucking, that's just ridiculous. I know. Uh, tell me about it. I was baffled by West Ham fans on that one. Incredible. He's been there yeah. and done it. He's a success. He, he's fucking, that's just madness to me. But yeah, me I don't too. know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I know I'm contradicting myself to a point because I wanted a, a young, hungry manager um, if they're out there, I don't know. But I'd rather, I'd rather steer my attentions more towards a Kovac or a Bielsa at Leeds or someone that excites me that little bit more. When you talk about the likes of Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche, yeah, that they have done well on a shoestring budget, but they also don't have any experience of managing big egos that probably won't carry the same level of respect for them that the players at Bournemouth and Burnley would do, and. Um, you know, we haven't seen him with a big budget. So does that mean he could potentially not be good with big money? I don't know. And uh, style of play as an argument with Eddie Howe, but Bournemouth are fucked. Um, so, yeah, for me, I, I, I'd look elsewhere. Fair enough. Yeah, I do think Dyche perhaps doesn't play the football that we want him to. And I think people underestimate how much money Howe's actually had at Bournemouth. Uh, he spent a load on um, Jordan... Iber, whoever his name was from Liverpool, and if it's if I'm thinking yeah. of the right player, he was released on a free transfer this week. Um, having spent twenty million on him, spent money on Solanke, was that his name as well from Liverpool? Don't think he does much for them either. So they've they have spent 
money on players that haven't succeeded. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, at Corey Kemp underscore, a fellow that does actually contribute to the YouTube channel. So, fair play to him. Um, he's put Deckard Rice as the best young player I've ever seen come through in my time as a fan. Where does he rank in terms of the golden generation, i.e., Rio, Frank, Joe Cole, etc.? Oh, he, he's got to be right up there. He really is. He's, he's the full package. The frightening thing with Decton is he isn't even anywhere near his peak. No. How good is he going to be in five or six years' time? And I think even now, you look at a midfield of the golden generation and straight away, for me, he sits next to Frank Lampard with Joe Cole on the left. And what about Michael Carrick? Okay, midfield five. <laughs> 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 I mean, yeah, can, course, can you imagine if Carrick had came through? Oh, sorry, if Rice had came through at the same time as those players. I mean, we probably yeah, still no. got relegated, no, yes, but, um, but still. For you. Yeah. For you. Um, do you think Declan Rice is or will be better than Michael Carrick? Oh, I find that so hard, that question, you know, because I find there's such similarities between the two players. Yeah. And I think Carrick was massively underrated throughout his career. I'd say he's underrated at West Ham, which sounds a bit ridiculous because he obviously went on to go to play for England and Man United and so on. But um, I do think people always talked about Joe Cole um, and were always singing his praise and sort of Carrick was a bit under the radar. But actually, for a, as a team player, Carrick was better than Joe Cole. Um I think Declan has more to his game. I mm. think I think Carrick was very good at just getting in the way, being defensively, getting the ball, just springing passes around like a bit like a almost like a quarterback in NFL, just get the ball, just ping the ball up up further forward. Um and um but then I think Declan just offers a bit more. I think he's more energy, a bit more box to box. I think, you know, the fact that he's twenty one and he's captain the side and he's played for England however many times he has now probably puts him slightly ahead than Carrick if I'm honest with you and obviously Carrick went on to have an amazing career so yeah I think Declan should mm. be aiming for the same I think inevitably he won't have his whole career at West Ham I hate to say it but mm. I think inevitably he won't and then he'll play for a top club my prediction would be Chelsea um, and then he'll go on to be very very um, successful yeah, I agree. I agree. It's sad it can't be at West Ham. Um, mm. Right, so at the White CJ, um, had Fabianski not got injured, would we be in the position we are today? Would Pellegrini still be in charge? I think it would have been a completely different season. Uh, do you know what? It's so strange, isn't it, what happened there? Because we were doing so well up until that point and West Ham fans were buzzing and we just seemed to plummet on the back of it. And whilst I know Roberto was an absolute liability beyond words, I just find it hard that an entire football club could be brought to its knees because the keeper got injured. Uh, I, I don't know. Whilst the timings work with that theory, there's there's obviously more to it than that. There's more to it, but Roberto was that bad. I mean, mm, I, hate, I hate digging someone out that much, but every game he played, he was at fault, or at least a goal, if not two, 
every game he played. Now, yeah. no team, no matter who they are, you know, can afford to give a team a two, three goal head start every match. And effectively, that is what we was doing, but not just for what he was conceding, but the confidence that he was sort of affecting all the other players because they knew pretty much if a shot went on on target, we were let, we were conceding. Um, so, Whilst I agree with you that I think it's a bit heavy to ping that all on one individual, I do think had he not got injured and had Pellegrini realised quicker than he did how shit Roberto was, then and if we'd had maybe Randolph then or someone else, I don't think we would have plummeted as much as we had and possibly Pellegrini would still be in a job now. So there is, I do see mm. the substance behind it. Yeah, um, yeah. This is a bit of a random one, but at Chris WH UFC 107 would really like to see XWHU employee or Dave Walker be the stadium announcer going forward. Is that something you'd be open to do? God blimey. Do you know what? I, I would love to do something like that. I don't know about you, X. I would. I mean, I'm probably taking the question a bit too seriously now because it's not even a possibility. But logistically, with the events, I just wouldn't be able to make it anyway. And I'm not even too sure you would, X. But yeah, yeah I think that would be good fun, that. I'd love to do it. And do you know what? Chris Skull um, started off with a West Ham podcast, did the same yeah. Did the same thing as what Evan did, as in and Holly did, which I helped to support the three of them get voted to do something for West Ham. Took yep. his gig from there. Then he somehow went from that to doing um, doing the interviews and hosting all the match stuff now today and in the program and runs quickly Kevin podcast. You know he's gone on from big things from the West Ham podcast. So you never yeah. know. The only problem yes. is. I've got we've got two problems. Firstly, well they're both related to me. Firstly, mm. is like I said, I try not to be visible. To be fair, I could be now. It's just because of the whole, like I've said before, the abuse that some people give, and I'm not the. I guess I'm in terms of mental health. I'm possibly not the strongest person to be constantly told how fucking ugly I am and how how I'm this and how I'm that and all the stuff. So probably for my own mental health, also for kids. I don't want my kids to get crap at games but for and maybe my job as well but there's you know i could come out so to speak but um i am um, yeah that's one reason uh, my voice but my voice would annoy people and uh thirdly the because of what i do in terms of i i guess provide inside news the club will never ever view me as someone that could do that sort of thing i think because i think they think i'd just use it to get inside information but i don't need to do that if i'm honest with you i could quite easily do that and just carry on as normal or i could just stop if i wanted but uh yeah unfortunately i don't think we'd get that opportunity yeah i was gonna say i'll take that as a no from you the next well <laughs> i would do it if they offered me i'd do it if i could do the stadium announcing i'd be quality like i said when we did the commentary for me when we did it for Isla's thing i really enjoyed that some match commentary would be fun yeah. you know We've been yeah. asked. To, we've actually been asked little plug out to these fellas to host an event ourselves with ex players, and actually me and you be the host um, for a yeah. charity night, which I think you're pretty much signed up for, and I think I'm reasonably signed up for. But I have done it before, believe it or not. We did it at the Scandinavian Hammers, didn't we? So, yeah. so we, right. it, we did it in Vegas as well. So we have done events where we're um, 
in public, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, no, it would be nice to do something different. But, um, but that's good to give a shout out to Chris Skull because he's a he's a good lad and he's done really well for himself and he's very good at what he does as well. To be fair, oh, yeah. someone here at Big underscore Simon nineteen eighty seven, Big Sire, Sorry, would you play Randolph over Fabianski? Seeing as Fabianski has been a bit dodgy recently. I think that's a little bit harsh on Fabianski, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I do think he was at fault for the William free kick. I think his positioning was wrong. So um, Liverpool as well, for both for all the goals, <laughs> remember? Yeah, I mean, Liverpool way was his worst game for us, without a shadow of a doubt. But he is a top goalkeeper. He's a hammer of the year last year. And to be fair, with the exception of those two games, no incidents in any other games come to mind. So I, I think it'd be very harsh to to drop him on the back of those two games, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I agree. I think we need to just keep him and hopefully he'll play himself into form. And actually against Chelsea, he did deal with corners and a few shots yeah. could have been more tricky than he made them look quite comfortably. So, yeah. yes, the free kick. He probably could have positioned himself a bit better, but it was very good free kick nonetheless yeah, um he um i think he did other things quite well that game to be honest with you um at pale pale ale sorry pale ale underscore decanio what do you think of wigan being slapped with points deductions for going into administration is it justified or are they being unfairly kicked when they're down hope you're both well lads and well done with making the show informative and genuine there is a big part of me that thinks they're being punished enough and they've got enough on their plate without the potential of being relegated again. And and they have got that potential because if they're in financial difficulties, they're not going to be able to go out and sign someone to improve the squad. And, you know, they're, they're, they're minus 12 points. Is this, sorry, this 12 points, is that happening with immediate effect or from next season? I don't actually know, to be honest with you. I've only seen the headline that they're being penalised, so I don't actually know when or when it is. I'm just looking at the league table now, um, and there doesn't appear to be any points deduction in place on them at the moment on the league table, so mm. maybe it's next season. I don't know. Um, that seems but- to be a bit unnecessary, I think, the points deduction. I think it's harsh. I mean, obviously, I think it's happened in the past, so it was kind of the rule. But I think because of the COVID situation, I think you have to give a bit more leniency to the fact that this could happen because I think this could happen to a number of clubs now. I think it's good for West Ham. So I think we should go and pinch Antonio, or whatever his name is, Robinson, I think the name is, whoever their left back is, American mm. fella. I think we should go and pinch him. So I think he's very, very good. Um, but um, uh, in terms of harshness, I do think it's harsh because I think... You know, they couldn't help the fact that there was no matches, no gate receipts, no, you know, probably merchandise selling and all the rest of it that comes from being a football team. So I do think a points deduction is harsh. Yeah, I do. Um, But yeah, I guess hopefully it won't affect us. Uh, Is that the question's done? It is, mate. Yeah. Okay, great. That is the end of the show and how nice it's been to reflect on such a good result and such a good performance for a change. We're going to sign off with some words from the brilliant Chris Ross, a.k.a. the East End Poet, and let's hope those boys can build off the back of that win and take some momentum into the game against Newcastle. Thanks for listening. Look after yourselves. And until next week, come on your your eyes. Now, my first thought this morning, when I woke up, even before I made my first cup, does that really happen? Could that really be? Did Chelsea score two goals? West Ham score three? A goal disallowed that they said was offside. It took VAR about an hour to decide. Then a goal from the spot and we're losing 1-0.
and this is the bit where it all goes downhill. Yeah, I've seen it before, and we know what comes next. The headlines are written, well, did you expect? Typical West Ham, no guts, no fight. They just didn't turn up at Stratford tonight. But it seems that the players had other ideas. And on 45 minutes, we wiped the arrears. Can we really do this? Can we nick a draw? A point would be nice, but you can't be too sure. They're backwards and forwards, parry and thrust. We score again. Frank looks on in disgust. We're getting excited. Are we going to win? But you know what comes next. Yep, they scored again. And we're back where we were. And we'd welcome a draw. A point at this stage keeps our foot in the door. Well, did that really happen? Could that really be? Did Chelsea score two goals and West Ham score three? Go on, you Switching and saving with Geico is easy, so you're free to ponder life's big questions. Like, why do people say it goes without saying and then say it anyway? I mean, if it really goes without saying... You should instead not say it and just give a knowing look? Well, folks, it goes without saying. Uh, what does? The thing that I'm not going to say. Okay. Switch and save with Geico. It's easier than you think. Shake up your back-to-school routine at Whole Foods Market. With fresh produce, snacks, supplements, and local favorites to jazz up any lunchbox or pantry. And with a big selection of ready-to-heat meals like vegetable lo mein and chicken tikka masala, it's easy to keep the family fueled up for the week. Always made with the high standards you trust from Whole Foods Market, like banning 230-plus ingredients from all food. All the more reason to make the flavors of Whole Foods Market part of your routine. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.